on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show! Matt and Nick will take their final dive into the Mando Poles Deep End as they dissect the Season 3 finale and where the story may go next. They may even get to last week's planned Bad Batch Season 2 punch-out segment and a talk on Boba Fett trolling Star Wars fans. If time permits. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of Top 5 Star Wars Featured Artists. Punch it, Chewie. Now, everybody! La, 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 la. Holy hell, I forgot Nick's not even in here. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, it's all right. He's here. You can hear him, right? We can hear him, maybe. Hello. Uh, nope, this is because of my testing <laughs> last week, Nick. I forgot I left my... There he is. He's here to play. Now, I was, you know, I was telling Nick last week, I'm, I'm a weirdo, okay, people? I got problems. I know in the end, as long as you guys can hear us for the most part, you're going to be somewhat happy, but I'm still a, a, a perfectionist. Even for a low-class podcast like this, I, I, I didn't like the fact that we were jittery and really stuttering last week, so I spent time troubleshooting, looking for ways to make the cast a bit more smooth, and, and, and really when it came down to it, I was like, hey, dickhead, you're trying to run 2023 software on a 2017 iMac like enough's enough that there, there's not a, a a a number of software tweaks you can make that are going to make this pig run this software any better so i i gotta do something i gotta figure something out i, I gotta drop some more cash but as i was telling young nick here over this past weekend we've we've opened up many household projects at at house haywood it, it, that in, includes a new deck it includes uh, putting a new drainage ditch in the basement, my sanctuary. I mean, you can't see it the way my camera's positioned, but my basement is exploded. All my Barbies had to be taken down. They're in, they're in plastic totes, smashing themselves from their own weight. All my, you know, 112 figures are down. But then, you know, as Nick said, once you start one thing, other things pick up. My wife's like, hey, the basement's already all fucked up. Let's install a hardwood floor. And I'm going, oh, okay, yeah, sweet. We still got that deck to finish that I just demoed for you. So what other projects can we open up? How much cash do we have? Will Matt have enough to improve his system over the summer? Hopefully, that's why we use 24%, no APR at Best Buy on all big tech purchases, right, Nick? Are you a, are you a no a, a APR type of guy or you just pay straight cash? Straight cash, homie. Yeah, no, right. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I guess like in the, the only thing that we really did with the 0% APR was the couch that we currently have. Right. Um, but we also, like, we paid that one off pretty quickly. Um, and yeah, man, I mean, like, Cause I, I, am lucky enough to be in a situation where like I can, I pay my credit card off in full every month. Like I, I like have enough cash on hand to where it's like, I know how much I can put on my credit card. And I also know that I can pay it all off. 
So usually I don't have to do the 0% APR stuff financing right. through like the stores themselves. You're also a dink. I mean, this this guy is yeah. living the good life in his mid thirties, dual income, no kids. I remember, I mean, that, that ended for me at 36. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, get, I mean, you're getting I'm close. Th- you're getting close. Pal. I would say I'm turning 35 in, in August <laughs> and I mean, who knows what the future may hold, uh, but I mean, one day I could be in a similar situation to, to Mr. Yeah. Haywood here. All right. So. No, I, Hey dude, the, your, your philosophy on credit cards, same with me. I mean, I, I actually have fantastic credit. I've had my discover since I was 18. I've never gone overboard, never carried a, a big balance for too long. And that's why these projects, even though I, I called up Discover, I'm like, hey, listen, help me out. Long time user. How about 0% for a year or so? And they're like, yeah, sure. Why not? So that's mm-hmm. the, Nick, that's where all the construction stuff is going. Yeah. So like you said, where, you know, I don't know for you, but for me, when I see credit card debt, I, I, I get itchy. You know what Can't I mean? It. It's like, Can't even though I know I have the money, it's just, I still get itchy. So yeah, you, you can relate with me right now. Every time I open discover and see that five figures, I'm like, ah, we're going to die. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be in debtor's prison. It's like, I know I can pay it down, but just seeing that fucking number there is eating me alive. Uh, I, I can deal with mortgages and car payments, but for some reason, credit card debt makes me want to throw up. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm the same way. And I'm glad that I am in a position to where I can do that for sure. Because for a while, when I, when I first moved to Austin, minimum payments, baby, minimum payments on that credit oh, yeah, card. Yeah, because I, 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 mean, I remember why you ended up there. We won't go into it, but yeah. let's just say Nick ended up in <laughs> Austin for love and, and shit, shit spoiled quickly. So he had, to, all the he wrong had to pivot. Yeah, he had to yeah. pivot quick and pivot figure quick, out his new life. Hey, it turned out. It, yeah. yeah, it turned out, right? Did you did you meet Taylor in Texas or was she from mm-hmm. the yeah, Bayou? She, uh, yeah, okay. we worked together. We worked together. Right. That all was right. how we first There you go. See, it all worked out. Now this motherfucker's like a like a like a realtor mogul in in Austin buying ha- <laughs> building new houses, selling them years later to move into even bigger new homes. So That's kudos to Nick. Real estate, real estate market, baby. <laughs> even Woo, in the bad yeah. times, it can still be good. That's what do. Work from home, <laughs> making cash. You can't beat it. All right, my man, we got all sorts of stuff. No, no, that's a lie. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to pretend that the three and a half months we just had of new Star Wars isn't over because it has been, it's been a treat for, for people like Nick and I, you know, especially me, someone that can't detach himself from Star Wars for more than a few minutes. But if you think about it, Nick, I mean, really since we started SWTS, that was the longest chunk of time we've had doing a show where we had just new content to talk about every week. Yeah. It's like I almost got used to it. And now that the reality has hit that, hey, it's over until August, I'm starting to go, how the fuck did Nick and I used to produce a show every week when there was, <laughs> when, when it was just like random nonsense, like casting news? And, and we did it and we'll yeah. keep doing it. It's just like I can't even think back to those days when we didn't have – I mean really – Andor led us all the way into the holidays. We got through the holidays with some happy-go-lucky shit, and then we were right in the Bad Batch in the new year. Yep. So it, I'm going to have to put on my, my thinking cap, my, my ultra fanboy uh, cap to start figuring out some show segments coming up over the summer. But we'll do it. Maybe we'll uh, take some time off. Uh, it sounds like we're at least going to miss a week coming up in June because we'll both be out. But we're here today. 
Uh, we're not officially putting The Mandalorian Season 3 to bed. Maybe we'll do that next week with kind of a, a, a retrospective. But we are here to give you our final thoughts on the finale. S3E8. What was it called? The The Return. Um, yep, so we got we got some of that to uh, talk about as well as I, I want to address real briefly the whole if you're out there, if you're in the fan, then I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've seen various spins on Tamara Morrison's latest uh, comments on Mandalorian Book of Boba. I, I just want to talk about that and kind of alleviate some of your insanity and just point out how shitty other bigger Star Wars channels are for it just having lacking media literacy or or knowing they're being shitheads just to get an audience, which I, I kind of think that's, that's what's really happening. But yeah, there you go. Bat, bats, bats, right. Nick, we got visions coming up next week, right? May the 4th is next week. Is it not? Um, yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, yeah. It's Thursday. So shit. Yeah. I mean that that's next week. Uh, we won't do anything cause it's on a Thursday. So don't fucking, expect will, anything we'll special talk about from it us on uh the tuesday the ninth. following <laughs> yeah the following week uh, the, on the ninth so. uh but yeah yeah we'll definitely uh, i forgot about that good good point there bad i i am excited for visions everything i've seen for it just looks top notch we're gonna get a, a, a wedge specific episode which is gonna be pretty rad um and then yeah the jedi adventures um even though it's it's meant for kids you know i'll be watching that too so I guess I should quit bitching and moaning. We're going to have a few more shows of fresh content, and then we're going to really have to start picking shit out of our asses over the summer. But we'll figure it out. Uh, make it back to the interviews. You know, we, we have, we've had some offers that I've turned down because of we're in season Star Wars, but now we might be taking those, those bids and, and getting some people on the show. Um, you know, we know props and them, they, they've got a bit of a stable so hopefully we can tap into that. Maybe get the armor right here on the SWTS. So that's that's kind of what we're thinking about for the summer. And then hey, we still got the DND thing to to kick the tires on. I've put out some dates, but yeah, everyone has I gone gotta, silent on that. Yeah, so. I gotta figure out my schedule because there's a lot going on for me in the next three weeks. I got closing on this house, moving, closing on the new house, moving in, all that stuff. So yeah, it's uh, my aim is to. We might be able to do like, oh man, maybe like mid, mid-May. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying to, because you and I, we, we had a window. It's like May 3 to 18. Yeah. So that's the goal. We'd, we'd like to get one of the DND, or a DND episode. It, it would be like episode one kicked off during one of those weeks. But, you know, because we switched the, the, the time for the stream, which by the way, if you want to join with the stream, don't forget 5P now East youtube.com slash star wars time show um we we've lost you know trevor because he does a, a toy show at six so we just haven't been in contact and and i haven't i've been sending up the smoke signals in discord but i don't think those two are as into discord as i've become thanks to our own little community which is open and my obsession with star wars galaxy of heroes <laughs> um, but we'll we'll figure it out and, and yeah bat's not wrong i mean i'm i'm, I'm sure we'll get another ahsoka tease to break down and, and fun stuff like that but it is hey we're getting back to the basics if if you just joined swts this season during bad batch or the mando you know hey you're, you're about to be treated to how we used to roll because we believe in our motto there is always time for star wars time and we make that happen every week regardless if nothing is actually happening all right dude um 
I just, I don't know. You know what? I'm going to get right into the Tem thing because it's quick and dirty. We can just get that out of the way and then we'll, we'll have plenty of time for the finale because I know that's what really what everyone wants to hear. But we did get this post in our Discord, so I do want to talk about it. You know, I don't like to, to disappoint, but real quick, here's the setup. Uh, this article, our boy Tones sent us to our Discord and, um, you know, Tamir Morrison was at some, uh, the Super, Supernova Comic-Con and gaming convention in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, there's some Q&A panel, and he was asked about, hey, man, are you going to have a cameo, or were you supposed to have a cameo in Mando Season 3? And he dropped some lines that if you just read the lines without any context, as most humans do these days... You could draw a conclusion that Tamar, Tamara Morrison is quite upset with Disney and is 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 shooting you know bombs towards the mouse. All right, <laughs> uh, but if you just you know exercise a little media literacy, I know we're, we're we've been trying to teach you all about this, just about Star Wars stuff. I mean, you should have media literacy about other shit that's important to life, like like politics and science. But when it comes to Star Wars, same thing. Let's just fucking slow down, find a source for yourself, and read versus headline rage. I mean, the story I'm about to talk about right now, Star Wars Theory, I saw today, did a live stream titled, I Stand with Tamara Morrison. Okay? Like, hello drama? I'm pretty sure he hated the book of Boba Fett, but who cares? Um, So here we go. Here, here's why everyone's upset. So if you read the titles on the internet, Nick, they were all Tamara Morrison talk shit about the Mandalorian. Tamara Morrison blamed Din Djarin for the Book of Boba Fett's failures. Blah, blah, blah. Like all these generalizations and fake conclusions were made by people posting. And, and here's what he said. And if you read it with context, the dude was just taking a piss. He's Tamir Morrison. Have you ever heard him in interviews? He's always fucking just saying random shit and playing around. I mean, he's 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 like one of the guys. You know how you know guys a lot of times when they're in groups, they kind of fuck with each other. All right. So here's here's what he had to say. And and you all tell me, or at least the two of you here. Hey, uh, Sir Dork showed up. What's up, Jared? Jared, uh, you guys tell me. So here we go. First and foremost, the actor gave an entertaining response on stage. When asked about The Mandalorian Season 3. Okay? I was supposed to be in The Mandalorian Season 3, but nobody rang me. I was waiting for the phone call New Zealand. Waiting and wanting to give up. Okay? Again, entertaining reply. The, the, the author is setting the tone that this quote came from. He was fucking around. Alright, here's the next one that really got people upset. Okay? Um, again, here's the author. He jokingly commented, okay, I know those are big words. He jokingly commented. That means when he commented, he was fucking around just in case. <laughs> All right. On how Din Djarin took over a show, expressing a similar sentiment fans had when they blamed the book of Boba Fett for season three's mediocre reception. Some fans, in quotes. All right, here we go. Well, that Mando guy stole a few chapters of my book. It was painful watching him turn up with some black new lethal sword. And the way he turned up in my book of Boba, he just destroyed everybody. I'm sure this guy is uh, ruining my show, but I couldn't say anything. I'm not the writer, so I have to bear it, I guess. Okay, it's like 
jokingly commented, can can we just put this to bed? This is a no nothing. This is a shit. This is why we're not popular, okay? Because we don't jump on stuff like this in, 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 in virtue signal or buy into the grievance culture that some Star Wars fans do, okay? He was fucking around. Did, did, did we think Boba could show up? Sure, why not? Him not showing up, was it a big deal? Not at all. It would have made zero narrative sense for Boba Fett to show up in The Mandalorian Season 3 the way it finished and the way it fully played out, right, Nick? It, it would have made no sense. Yeah, I mean, you would have really had to, like, force Boba Fett to be in there. I mean, we saw one interaction between him and the Night Owls previously, and he, like, openly stated, he's like, I'm not, like, a Mandalorian. Like, I don't follow their ways and stuff right. like that. Like, he's his own person. So it would have been and kind he, of weird <laughs> to toss him in. He also reiterated it in his series yeah. to Din when Din's like, hey, I fucked up. I'm excommunicated. I go got to go back to Mandalore and, and do the thing. And Boba's like, eh, fuck you, man. You guys are crazy. That's essentially what he says. He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't buy into that stupid shit. Fuck you. I'm Boba Fett. I'm the daimyo. So Boba Fett had no, he has no uh, draws to Mandalore. He didn't give a fuck. He's a fucking clone of a, of a foundling Mandalorian. All right. So, hey, did, did we even, I think we even probably last week were like, hey, Boba Fett, maybe he'll show up. And I'm like, yeah, I think I even caught ourselves like, whoa. Yeah, that'd be a, a nice fan speculative moment, but why? Why would he show up? What, what What's his fucking draw to be there unless, you know, Grogu hit a button and was like, bop, 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 bop. Yeah, I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense for him to be in there. And it's like, I don't know. People just like, like people like Star Wars Theory just kind of like make their name off of like, like generating outrage for content views which is fine i mean there's a lot of people on the internet who do that of course but like it's just it's purely bullshit though like I, and i don't think that people realize that it's like purely bullshit it's, dude I, I mean look like i said and i hey i'm gonna give tuto, kudos to tones because he put it in our discord and he's like i i think people are like really trying to make false assumptions about this like if you really read the report you can tell he's just fucking around it, but uh, dude on reddit i mean had like almost four or five hundred comments people like yeah see fucking shit blah and these like like we said offline these would have been the same people pulling their pants down and teabagging the book of boba fett this time last year like like literally shitting on boba fett's face it's just yeah. like hey it is what it is you know what i mean that's exactly what it is, Nova. It's Tem playing with the crowd. He he likes to fuck with people. He's trolling. He's not as a big troll as Brendan Wayne, who we'll talk about. Fuck that guy. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, he's just fucking around. So, everyone calm down. It's okay. It, it was never, you know, it was never made clear if Book of Boba Fett was going to extend beyond a season. The Book of Boba Fett was always positioned by the creators as the third chapter of the Mand Mandalorian story. It's all right. It's okay. All right. We good? Thanks. <laughs> all right. We got a, a comment stuck on the screen. That's pretty awesome. There we go. <laughs> and there we go. Yes, it's Kathleen Kennedy's fault. There we go, Bad. I'll put you up there. Let's let's blame her. But yeah, sure. It is. <laughs> Every, everything's her fault. Why not? All right. So that's that, my friends. You know, chew on it for what you will. Go read the article. I mean, it was from MSN, so it's not like some happy horse shit. It's like Microsoft <laughs> doing a report on it. It's not just some dickhead named Matt in his basement. All right. We good? 
All right. Let's do this, Nick. Let's get into the finale. Um, and this this one's been unique. I mean, this is the first time in, in shit a long, long time that Nick watched it on the day. So he and I actually got to exchange a few thoughts before today. <laughs> so, uh, the, you know, we're, we're, we're breaking ground over here. But anyways, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you start because I actually watched it a second time Wednesday night and, and I came away a bit less... Not upset, but a bit like, oh, you know what? That was that was kind of fucking fun, but so go ahead. Yeah, um, my thoughts on it: very straightforward finale. I feel like, it, especially in this instance, um, we probably took ourselves on way too many like possible tangents. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Like, yeah, we you know we went fan speculation nuts. I I'm yeah. I'm blaming myself for some of my own disappointment, but that's because I'm enlightened. Most people yeah. can't do that. You know, like um, and th- it was a very straightforward episode. You know, like it, it was a fight against the against Moff Gideon's forces to essentially take back the section of Mandalore that had been under his control, where he was doing a lot of his cloning work. And boom, bang, bing. That was it. You know, like you had a fight against good guys versus bad guys and the good guys won. And, um, you know, we got some resolution on the uh, the leadership of Mandalore thing uh, with with Bo-Katan. We got some uh, closure to I mean, potential closure to the Darksaber stuff now that it's been broken. Did you um, pop a boner when that happened? I was, I like, was happy yeah. to see something like that. I, I was because... Um, I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe they'll bring it back. It's very possible. Lightsabers get repaired all the time. Lightsabers get replaced all the time. Yep. But I was, I was happy to see that. Cause like I've been saying for the last few weeks, the dark saber is just like a burden on this entire society. And it was one of the reasons why you had uh division amongst the society for decades. So, uh, happy to see that moment. Um, but yeah, overall, I wasn't blown away by it. I thought it was, I thought that they played the finale pretty safe. I thought that there were, um, like there's still some question marks around certain things. Um, but Hey, that's why the, the, the series continues. It's not a series finale. It's a season finale. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, there were cool moments, cool fights, but overall I, you know, it was, it was good. It wasn't anything special to me. Um, and it, it it puts us in an interesting position to uh, what season four of The Mandalorian may look like, um, given what we've heard from people like Rick Famuyiwa, who says uh, Din Jaren is no longer the titular character of The Mandalorian. Does that mean that the show focus switches in season four? Um, does Grogu... Uh, or do Grogu and Din now move into a role in the Rangers of the New Republic series, potentially, given that they're, you know, n- now have this homestead on Navarro? And and what Din says is, you know, he wants to kind of get back to his life now that everything on Mandalore is settled. Um, yeah, I so mean, it's, now, that you, now that you bring that up, that was one of my notes. I mean, do we think that... I don't know how to to phrase this the right way without going down a, a rabbit hole. But Nick, do you, do you think season three wrapped in a way to account for some of those Rangers of the new Republic stories? I, I think it does. I mean, uh, a lot of the stuff that we were, I mean, like, I mean, you know, 
our our episode last week was just a a series of speculative misses. Um, but yeah, yeah we, I mean, we, hey, listen. As much as I like to to tout our wins, we fucking we, bomb the shit out of the like, finale. And, and, it was a and complete like, fucking miss to, to a degree. I feel like we we really got hard baited by Brandon Wayne. Hundred like percent. Yeah. No, put, he gets most of the blame. We put a lot of stock in in his instagram post that was like oh after you see this you're gonna be hurt and we're like somebody's dead somebody's gotta die somebody's gotta die (laughs) and we watched this episode and like literally nobody even came close to dying except for moff gideon like what are we we gonna be hurt about brendan you dickhead like Like, i mean honestly what the fuck was he talking about yeah it's like i don't know unless he's like hurt by the fact that the dark saber got broken but um i i mean i think it does you know like he like din is now like he has extricated himself from the Mandalore stuff. He's like, okay, I helped you guys out. I don't want to be a leader. I like, this is your society that you want to rebuild. I have, he's more concerned about Grogu. Yeah. You know, like he has now officially adopted Grogu as his son. And, um, they're going to go on and have their own adventures. I do feel like what the ending for, for Grogu and Din does is allows them to essentially be players in every, uh, in every Mandoverse show now. I mean, they already were, but now they are set up specifically to be like, hey, Rangers of the New Republic, you're going to be in that. Ahsoka, you're going to be in that. Mandalorian Season 4, you're going to be in that. Whatever shows are floating around this Mandoverse, they can be a part of because they, they are essentially factionless and just out there to to help people in the galaxy, from what it seems. So I do think that it gives them an entry point into Rangers of the New Republic. Um, you know, well, via- I, we're not I mean, I, I, we're not saying that that's not going to be a series. But I do think the Mandalorian season four, a lot of what we see Din and Grogu doing will be Rangers of the New Republic content, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I definitely think that that's a, a good. And, and you got to wonder, and this is where I didn't want to go, but you got to wonder if the Carano firing did ultimately affect the story of season three and four. I mean, it does, but also like, you know, she's a B character with a B thread that like, I mean, I don't think that Gina Carano's character would have even been involved in, in what we saw in the finale. Like, I don't think she would have been called in. Like, I think it would, cause she would have been in a position similar to like, you know, Carson Tiva and, and all in all of them. But she would have been she would have been hanging out in Navarro marshalling. Yeah. So like if anything, the, you know, the, the the difference would have been like, oh, well, you didn't have to rebuild IG-11 to yeah. be the marshal of Navarro because she was already the marshal of Navarro. And you would have had another member already kind of decided for the Rangers of the New Republic stuff. So I really don't like, you know, maybe she would have worked her way into the, into the season season arc a little bit more, but like none of that, none of the, the potential Rangers of the new Republic um, group were really involved in this season. I mean, they weren't even involved in helping, right. like they were barely involved in helping Navarro break the pirate siege. Like, yeah, it, not at all. They just yeah. went and asked some questions. Like he just really. asked, so, I, so, I do. I, I think what Kathy or Kathleen said is is what has become the reality that Rangers is no longer a series, but you are going to see 
narratives pop up in the existing shows. And, and I do think we got some of that in, in season three, especially at the end. I mean, the, the, the Tiva stuff, Adelphi Squadron, and then obviously Din and Grogu at the end. I, I think that's definitely kind of paying off on what she said in terms of where that content would live. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, my overall thoughts, I definitely got baited by the Brendan Wayne thing, which like Ooh. forced me to like, my like I, 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 I kind of went into that episode and like the whole time I'm watching it, like I'm waiting for that moment, which obviously affects the way that you watch something, which is why like, um, I hate leaks and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean like it was, it was good for what it was. I thought that there could have been like a couple more like, uh, or like any sort of like revelations or, or something that, that may have hinted more towards what we could see in Mandalorian season four. I think they did. I, I think they didn't do a great job of like giving you a directional feel as to like what could be happening in, in season four of the Mandalorian. But you know, um, well, I, I think what it did, you're right. I mean, I, I feel like season three of The Mandalorian probably did more setup for Ahsoka's large plot with the New Republic and Thrawn than it did for its next season, yeah. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Because, I, I mean, really, dude, season three ends. I guess I still have to go. But the way season three ends, it's it's clean as fuck. I mean, that was one of my complaints. It was It was so damn clean, you could consider it a series finale like everything that was started in season one and two is wrapped like it's fucking yeah. wrapped dark saber wrapped din grogu wrapped mandalorians retaking mandalore wrapped din regaining his status within the 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 cult wrapped like what it, it's over so it did end very nicely yeah so, no it was, um, it was all wrapped up and like maybe that was their plan maybe like Mando season four is starting kind of, I mean, and I think it is. And I think that's what Rick and, and others were hinting at is that like Mando season four is kind of starting a new, uh, yeah. a new chapter of the Mandalorian. That, saga. That's clearer now than, than it was at the start of the season when we were reading that shit. I mean, that that's a hundred percent correct. Cause it is, they, they, they cleared the table, which might not have been exciting for the finale but i do like that we're kind of blank slating for season four and obviously elements from skeleton crew ahsoka will affect season four or, or some of the tentpole narratives in season four but i do kind of like that things have been reset the bullshit's out of the way uh, it, it's back to the 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 din and din grogu show with friends it's yeah. not just the laser focus retake mandalore plot that season three was yeah. And, and obviously there's still questions out there. I mean, there's still speculation that the armor could be a spy. I mean, I, I, I definitely agree that there's more to be explored there. Um, obviously yeah, we, we still, still need to figure out who the fuck she is. If anything, yeah, I mean, we like, still don't on. know anything <laughs> like that. That was one thing that I really would have liked at the end of this to like, just give like a tiny bit of context in a season four was like an armor reveal, whether it be, spy or not spy or you know who she, who she could be something like that i think would have been interesting but they they played it safe um but yeah i mean like they they really it seemed like they really didn't want to to like give any sort of hints as to what could be out there that you know really it's just like the only open plot threads that are hanging are kane like kane 
on Kane, uh, and, and I've got I've got thoughts on Gideon that we're we're gonna get into. Yeah, too, I mean Gideon's definitely still got a clone out there. Like, well, you know, I, I think that was a clone. Oh, you think that 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 the, yeah. the Gideon? Well, I mean, in there if, was if you clone. if you look at his appearance, and I, I don't know if we talked about this, but when I saw him in episode seven, I'm like, shit, Gideon's looking fresh as fuck. I mean, yeah, he had the mustache shave, but he also had his hair combed forward where. Other Gideon combs his hair back. He's got the stash. And if you look at the Gideon clones in episode eight, it was like a replica of the Gideon we were seeing, a, a slightly younger version than what we saw in season one and two. So, yeah, I'm, I don't think that was the end of Gideon. It was too convenient, yeah. too quick. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, so, yeah. He's uh, all right. Well, he's still in there somewhere. Um, I guess. So, yeah. We, I mean, got, we a got a question got... for you here, Nick. Go ahead. They want to know. Are you pissed that Grogu lost his means to communicate again now that he no longer has yes and no? I mean, I, I really do hope that they like progress that character a bit. Cause it's hey man, like, he, was, he was fighting Praetorian guards by himself. Come on. I, yeah. I mean, it was, it was fun. Like to me, he's still a gimmick. Like he's yeah. a gimmicky character. I just want him to become something like I, I want him to him, become man. not like a, anytime he's on screen, it's just a cute moment. <laughs> um that's what i want from the character yeah like, hey it's fair it's fair i'm not gonna tear down your grogu hate but, i love but also like you know it is what it is like he like he's he's just a money like he is their cash cow like he's yeah. their he's their money maker as soon because here's what'll happen as soon as he starts like talking in full sentences and stuff people are going to be are not going to be as interested in him because they lose the infantilization angle on that yeah, character the baby stuff goes away yeah it's, uh, it's, someone it's made gone. a video where they're like this is this guy in his backyard he's got one of the grogu dolls and he's like behind the scenes of grogu's puppeteers for the finale he's just like fucking throwing them across the yard and, and whipping them up in the air doing flips and whatnot uh, I love the motherfucker, but all right. So real quick, my take, I mean, I, I am always going to tell you, I think my truest opinion is what you're going to get on a Wednesday when I put out my review. Cause I'm coming fresh out of the seat, the screening. And, uh, my initial take was, I was underwhelmed by the finale underwhelmed. I, I never said it was bad or I hated it. It was horrible. It was a culmination of a shitty season. I was just underwhelmed. And, and I will admit again, cause I am enlightened woke. According to some people, I, I, I really thought that, um, shit, where was I going with that? I just read a comment and completely <laughs> deleted my, it is, all of the thoughts are gone. Now. Oh man. I hate myself. Underwhelmed. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I was yeah. underwhelmed, but I do think like Nick said, a lot of my, uh, a lot of that emptiness I felt was my own fault. I am a star Wars fan who can admit that when my speculations or my, my fan cannon doesn't hit that, I'm not going to light the franchise on fire and stab my eyes out and blame everything on women. Okay. I, I, pumped up this finale in my own head with Nick on this show last week. But I do blame 90% of me kind of getting off course and, and getting into the weeds of speculation on the real Brendan Wayne. That guy fucking conned us all hard. Like, like reach around. No, no reach around type of conning. Like he was back there pounding away and didn't even give us the courtesy to reach forward, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, he he completely skewed 
my vision on what the finale was going to be completely dictated my speculations and therefore definitely added to those feelings of, of me feeling underwhelmed last Wednesday. What I will say is I, I, you know, I did all my content. I hashed it out with the boys in Discord. Join if you want. And when, when I watched it with the family later at night, and, and yes, I had my nighttime medicinals. I don't think that was the reason I, I came away with my second viewing feeling more positive about it. A, a generally better take on the finale the second time I watch it. And yes, some of that's because I, I knew what to expect. I, I, I knew the rug was not going to be torn from under us. But I did just thoroughly enjoy my second screening. It was like, yeah, you know what? There's some, there were some goddamn fun moments in there. There's some uh, plenty of eye candy. Uh, I even went through and I edited my top moments just to talk about today. It's like, you know what? I probably should have put on the fucking Din Hallway fight. When I watched it a second time, I was like, damn, this is actually pretty fucking cool if you think about all the moving pieces that are happening here and you get to see Latif doing his like Brazilian roly-poly crazy jiu-jitsu shit mm-hmm. uh, the coordination with R5 fighting the the super commandos that was cool and, and really another top moment that I left off the first time is is the adoption of Grogu I mean that's a that's a pretty poignant moment for the franchise and and one that hits a little bit if you don't hate the little guy and you know I uh, listen I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a dad of a little girl. It, it's changed me completely since I was 36 until now at almost 43. It, my brain works differently. I'm I'm a even bigger softy than ever been. So whenever I'm watching stuff with a with a dad and his little cub, the the shit works me over. But I do I really uh, for a finale and, and based on what we're used to in the season one and season two finales, it it underwhelmed. It was too clean. Like, listen, I'm not, I'm not talking. I wanted to see all the deaths that Brendan Wayne made us think that were going to happen. But I would have liked a little bit of hangover content to think about. Um, you know, outside of, of Gideon clone theories and, and the incoming of Thrawn and, and knowing that the Shadow Council's out there. Like Nick said, it's like, all right, well, where are we at? Like, what, what do we got? And I think Ahsoka and Skeleton crew are going to dictate that. But I, I would have liked a few nuggets at the end of The Mandalorian via a, a, a legit stinger or, or just a bit more exposition on what was going on. That's the other thing, Nick. I really felt like the finale was rushed. And uh, Katie's been out there talking like she's like, listen, guys, the episodes are always longer than what you get. A lot of stuff hit the cutting room floor. Apparently, there was supposed to be a big speech from Bo in the finale that got cut. Um, but I, for the first time this season, was when I really felt like the runtime affected the the pace of the finale and therefore the overall excellence that the finale could achieve. Because I mean, Nick, there's one point. They're like, all right, let's run and hide. Hey, we're in this cave with, oh, shit's growing back. Okay, let's go fight again. I mean, it's literally, let's hide. Let's fight. Let's go. There is zero room to breathe in the finale. Zero exposition took place. I mean, things went so fast, Nick. Bo and Din, the heroes of the season, didn't even have a fucking goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> like, how, how, do you, how do you leave that out? The, the two motherfuckers that led the charge to retake Mandalore, they don't have a, hey, see ya. Remember, I pledge my life to you, but we're, I'm just going to end up on Navarro by the end of the season. Like, it just, it, they cut, you could tell that they cut a lot of shit. I mean, Nick, it opens with them running in a hallway. So what scenes came before that? 
and that's what in the end even with sec a second viewing i was like you know it wasn't a bad finale at all it was a good season in the end a good season i'd say as a whole the season for me is probably seven and a half eight getting closer to an eight the finale nick and i were kicking around if we had to seven seven and a half yeah, uh, yeah. but it's just it was just too damn clean like everything was perfect and and i'm just i don't know i guess maybe it's my pessimism my my inner darkness my the black hole that was where my soul should be but sometimes i like when the good guys just don't have miller time well like i I think it's also because like it, it would be different if like we didn't know what was out there like if we didn't know that there was a lot of stuff that's going on in the universe that like is going to be coming soon. So like we have this like internal bias because we know like, well, yeah, this show wrapped up, but we also know in August that, you know, it, you know, in, in real world time in four months, we're going to have the Ahsoka show where Thrawn is going to show up out of fucking nowhere. Like he's going to, he is going to pop into the galaxy and we have, we have no pretense of how that's going to happen. So like, and, and we also know that, you know, there's stuff going on with the Imperial Remnant. We know that there's stuff going right. on with uh, the, the, the cloning facilities and, and what's happening with, uh, you know, everything that's going on on Exegol and all that other shit. We know that there's so much stuff happening. And for us to, like, see this in so cleanly, we're like, well, where's the Thrawn thing? Yeah. What it about this? Odd. What about that? Like, so, like. If we didn't have all that other information, I feel like this this finale would have been like, boom, look at that. Good guys win, bad guys lose. Hey, what a good fucking time. But like, we also know that right around the fucking corner is going to be a galaxy disrupting type of event that yeah. happens. And we were all so convinced that like, we're going to get a Thrawn stinger. We got to get a Thrawn stinger. Like... And I even sat there. I was like, okay, the episode's over. The credits started rolling. Let me like fast forward through to see if there's yep. something on here. And then by the time I got to the, you know, the, the, the foreign credits where they're like, it's all like the, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you're fucked when you <laughs> start like, getting that shit. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, I guess there's nothing in here, but, uh, I, it is, it's that internal bias of like, of a super fan, like us knowing what's coming. Whereas like, if you're a casual fan that watches the Mandalorian, you have no fucking idea. You don't even like read the news or, or see the announcements of other shows. You're like, Oh man, what, what a good way to wrap that up. You know, like, uh, so we, we have the burden of being too big of fans. (laughs) We can't, we're carrying that fucking cross for (laughs) y'all. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that, Oh, Linda, I'm sorry. Linda here. Linda Matsumoto on the stream. I only listen to Star Wars time predictions. Well, we we fucking failed you. Yeah, we, we let you down on that one. We failed you, Anakin. I mean, we, we have took failed the, you. We took the bait hard. Like we really yeah, it, fucking yeah, took like, that okay. bait. You, you can't you can't punch our face too much. I mean, we it's not like we were just pulling shit out of our asses and making it up. We we went off a main cast member saying you're all going to be like eating your tears on the finale. And, you know, we took it and ran with it and definitely learned the hard way that that that's not going to happen. The other thing I want to address, because I'm always open and honest, um, our our leak, it was like a it was like a 60 40 hit. So I'll, I'll admit it. The Ragnar shit didn't happen. 
um, you know, things happen sometimes under production. I'll get told something and, and through edits and cuts and whatnot, it doesn't make it to the final picture. Same thing with the armor's jetpack and blaster. Uh, we, we, we know she got her jetpack. And we saw her blaster in the concept art. So I'm going to take a win on that one. But the <laughs> the Ragnar getting his armor, I'll be the first one to raise my hand just like I do when I win. I fucking lost. So, you know, boo on me. Now I have a little bit of this. That's right. Some emotional damage. But <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. I, I still trust in my contact. Like I said, shit happens. All right, dude. Um, yeah, so in the end, let, let's get in. We'll dive into some of the top moments, Easter eggs, and some other random things that popped into my mushy head while watching this. But uh, listen, we're not we're not hating here. We still love The Mandalorian. Uh, I, I thought the, the, the season as a whole was, was fun, enjoyable, and definitely moved the goalpost for this timeline plenty forward. I mean, we, we went from angry Bo, hates everybody, doesn't want to play, and then the apostate to... She is now the Mandalore. They have returned to their planet. They've reunited all these disparate factions. So, I mean, that, that's big shit. We got cloning closure, uh, Grogu's new name. We learned about how foundlings are named and that Din's first name isn't even fucking Din, more than likely. It's Jaren. Yeah, it's Jaren. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of cool stuff there. It just, you know, it was, it was underwhelming because of a bit of what we ran with from the cast. You never know. All right, dude. So let, let, let's get into some of these top moments. I got a new display here of using the Safari's reader mode to knock out all those fucking ads and bullshit. So it should be nice and clean for you cocksuckers on the live stream. Hey there, Devin. Welcome to the show. Uh, but on my review on TikTok, someone's like, hater. Hater's going to hate. I'm like, what do you mean haters are going to hate? Just listen to the whole goddamn review. I mean, some people. All right. So here we go. Top moments. Let's get into it. S3, E8, the finale. And um, Nick, I'm going, I'm leading with Lady Kree's, your reinforcements have arrived. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I probably should have put the hallway fight in, in the adoption of Grogu. We're not going to cover it. I didn't do it in the video. But that moment where, you know, Axe gets up to the fleet. He, he kind of tells everyone to, to, to hit the road, and then that's when Bo gets called out of the garden cave, and out of nowhere, swo- swooping down like Valkyries, you know, the armorer, the night owls, and it was just a thing of fucking beauty that culminates in Bo whipping out the Darksaber and charging forward with all of her followers behind her. It was, a, it was just a kick-ass visual moment, but something I wrote down, Nick, when I first saw this was... We are at a point in live-action Star Wars where Mandalorians look just as, if not cooler, than Force users. What say you? Yeah, I mean, they have... I mean, Force users can't fly, so that's pretty sick. I mean, people. it seems like in a, in a technologically advanced society like Star Wars, not a lot of people use jetpacks. But yeah, I mean, like, they, they were... I mean, if you, if you think back to old Republic days... There was a full-on war between just Mandalorians and Jedi. Like there was the 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 Mandalorian Jedi War, which is what was the lead up to Revan and everything like that. So like Mandalorians have always been like the one of the strongest forces in the galaxy regardless of whether they have force powers or not. Like these people can stand up to anybody. Um, and now this is like, this is really the first time in live action that we've actually seen that force and those that like 
battle prowess in action in a large scale sense. And it was really kind of awe-inspiring for sure. Yeah, I mean, just they they literally did a cavalry charge with jetpacks using guns and in the armor's case melee weapons and i'm just like this is amazing i mean when when the armor in particular i mean bo looks great flying with the saber but the armor she just winds up that fucking hammer and boom like mach 10 into a fucking super commando's face it's just like you know what I, I don't think she's a spy. I mean, obviously it wasn't revealed. The, the, the theories now in the title, the spies are getting into like the Jewish religion. So I'm out. Yes. Like I, I don't, I'm good. Like, okay, whatever the spies, we got duped there too. Who gives a shit? But watching the armor in action was just a, it was a thing of beauty and you know, her, her call to arms and just kind of uniting everyone behind Bo for that charge was just fucking killer looking. So that was my my first top moment, if you don't count Din in the hallway and all that fun stuff. Um, next one, speaking of our, our boy Jaren, a.k.a. the new Din. Uh, his little, I, I just wrote this down, Nick, as Din v. Gideon v. Guards v. Grogu. <laughs> you know what I mean? So really that, that, that whole sequence where uh, Din starts fighting with, with Gideon, he's kind of holding his own against Gideon and then the you know the boys in red come out and, and kind of get Mando down to the ground and we get our boy Grogu coming out kind of you know hey that that's my guy yeah. don't fuck with him kind of sacrificing yeah. him uh, almost sacrificing himself and then you know I, I you know I know some people think he's ridiculous but I I like that Grogu and Din got separated and they had the kind of deal with their own shit for a time yeah. It wasn't until Bo showed up that Din was able to go help his little son. But but seeing Grogu in there hopping around, <laughs> you, you say whatever you want. I, I don't know. I was like, look, he's he's holding himself against three Praetorian guards. I mean, fucking uh, Kylo and Rey probably were more challenged against the Praetorians than, than um, Din Grogu was for a second. But then when Din comes in, and this is really what made it stand out to me, and I kind of want to hear your take. But I believe, Nick, for the first time, we witnessed them actually working in tandem, leveraging their their unique skill sets to take down a more powerful foe. Because up until now, it was usually like, all right, one of them has beaten, the other one has to save him. Here, they work together. You'd see Din, he'd come in with a, with a melee move, Grogu would use the force to block, and for the first time, you could see what we may start to see moving forward in these two, now that Din Grogu is a Mandalorian apprentice and is no longer a foundling, you're going to see these two working in tandem. It's no longer, hey, I got to protect him. This whole episode, Din was like, hey, you good? We're, we're fucking doing this. There was no daddying of Grogu. No, oh, you know, you need to hide. It was like, hey, buddy, I'm going to need you here. You got you to essentially suck it up and, and be ready to rock. And that's exactly what Grogu did. So I really like that scene between the, the, those two and the Praetorians, mostly for not really the visuals of it. Because let's be real, the puppet sometimes looks clunky, but I do prefer a puppet over CG. It was it, to me, it was like, all right, this is what they're going to become. And it's only going to get bigger and badder as time goes on. Yeah. You know, watching these two in battle together is going to be fucking impressive because you are. Nick, you, Nick you're, you're essentially going to get a Tar Vizsla between two people, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle Grogu's progression in a in a production sense, because now 
they have, I mean, like, obviously they're committed to practical puppet as often and as much as possible. Um, and with the series progressing and with him, like having more agency over his own actions, especially in a show that's going to be like, have a lot of combat focus. Um, I'm really interested to see how they handle that. Like, is he going to be solely a force user? Like, is he not going to have a weapon? Because right now him using a weapon is going to look really clunky and Oh yeah, with with a puppet, yeah. my god! Like even a lightsaber, he'll, it'll so, look like the old Kenner toy where it's coming right out of his yeah. hand, like waggle, 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 waggle. Um, <laughs> but I did like I enjoyed the dynamic that that like showed itself through uh, like in that battle. Um, one thing I wanted to call out too, and I wanted to see if if you had an opinion on this. In the fight with Gideon, was his suit like okay? We know his suit is Beskar, but was his suit like? mechanically powered yes okay. I, i'm glad you okay. asked because yeah if you listen yeah, closely you Nick, when pneumatics. he moves you, you you hear like yeah you hear like pistons and shit yeah. moving but if you look on his hands he's wearing fucking gloves yeah. so how does he crush the dark saber with his hands unless that like the vader looking black spandex also has like some sort of motor yeah, like system a motor system because that's exactly because i was like okay like all of the tr- all the regular troopers just have like full Beskar, you know, armor. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, no, he he you're you're right. He's truly in the dark trooper four point. Yeah, like he, he is in like a full body suit that is also mechanized to make him like super yes. strong. So yes. yes. Um but yeah. And if you listen, Nick, if you listen, like I'm still going with that Gideon was a clone, but if you listen to him. That clone did not have the force. Yeah. The ones that Din kills, those were the ones that he finally got the yeah, force he was like, the, I haven't even had a chance. He said something about, right. like, I didn't even get to see their potential or something like that. Yeah, because that's, that's like, I, maybe some people were wondering, does he have the force? Is that why he's throwing Din around it's, like he's a fucking baby? But no, if you listen, you can hear. It's like, Exactly. Yep. Yeah, kind of like RoboCop, 100%. Yeah, so... Um, that's what I thought was interesting, but yeah, I mean like on, on the Grogu part, what I'm interested in seeing is like how they, how they handle his like maturation process and his battle folk, like his, his focus on his battle. Cause like if he does get a lightsaber, which like totally acceptable, I mean like he was presented a lightsaber by Luke Skywalker. I, I can't remember if he kept that or if they, he like, did we ever find out if he actually just like no, gave he, he, that no, back? That was no, that he, he does not have it because that was Luke's yeah. deal. It was one or the other. It was not both. So yeah, I mean, he does not have a blade in his possession. Only the chain. Yeah. Mail. So it will be interesting to see how they handle him if he's just going to be like purely a force user and never use a weapon. Because I think what could be cool is if they did give him a lightsaber eventually, he could just use the force to use it. Because there's to, other right. Like it almost hovers around yeah. him. Like it. He never physically really holds yeah. it. It just kind of. I mean, because that's what. What's her name does in uh in uh Kotor two and in Galaxy of Heroes Kreia Frey whatever her name is Kreia oh that's right Treya Treya yep. uses yeah she has the uh, trio of blades that just float around her kind of juggle around her yeah yeah, yeah you know dude I would dig that that would be fucking sweet. yeah so 
that would be sweet. I really am interested to see his progression because the say like the I mean the scene that comes after the 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 battle with like you know him saving them well let, let's yeah. just go let's go into it because that's that was my my last top moment was the um, Bo versus Gideon I really liked the the visuals of that I mean I thought Bo looked quite competent strong swinging that blade mm-hmm. um, but you know obviously the line of to pay off on the season lesson that everyone hopefully learned, at least in universe that Mandalorians are stronger together. And when she said that it was like axes coming down, blowing the shit up with the ship. Din shows up behind Gideon Grogu's there. And then those three, the three stars of the season, Bo, uh, Din and Grogu work in tandem to prove to Gideon that, Hey, they, they, they are more than just their trinkets. When they band together, they're a damn near unstoppable force, especially when you have a a force user. So, you know, obviously her line and then the tide turns, axe crashes down and, you know, you get to see Gideon clone blow up. And then, of course, our boy comes in and, you know, I mean, it's the it's the season one save just like from right. Did, Did anyone like was anyone even remotely concerned that these three were not going to survive that explosion? Yeah, I mean, like like, cause they even cut away, like, you know, unless you're a little kid, they cut away and they show like the, all the fire coming out of the hole and you're like, Oh, but you're like, well, yeah. What, what the fuck do you think's going to happen? You know, little dude's going to be down there throwing up the uh, force bubble. What I want to ask you is why the fuck didn't Grogu share this tip with Kanan? Because <laughs> Kanan could have saved his fucking self if he knew that he could use the force to block an explosion. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. You know, Grogu, a <laughs> little bit of a dickhead back in the yeah, Jedi like, hey, Temple. Man, share, share some of that knowledge. But uh, come on. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a cool scene, obviously, seeing the the, the roasting of the of the robo uh, Gideon was was cool. Um and yeah, I mean, like, I think overall that that scene was like a perfect kind of cap to the to the journey of these three as like a as a season three trio, um, because they it, like you said, it really did kind of take all of them to to take down this this like enhanced Gideon. Um, so, yeah, because he was beating them all. Yeah, individually. Like he beat yeah. Din one on one. He was about to beat Bo one on one. Yeah. So you, you needed the. You needed the force user in there. You needed the the person who was like adept at fighting and you need the person who is also in there to like distract and, and like take some of the blows and, and then you can ultimately defeat your, your foe together. So yeah, I thought that that was a, I did like Gideon, like the, Gideon's line was kind of spot on when, when he's like Mandalorians are nothing without their trinkets and they kind of were when they were all split yeah, apart. Like, you know what I mean? But but the point made at the end there is like when they're together, trinkets or not, they're quite an impressive force. Um, so, yeah, that, that was all all fun stuff there. Yeah. All right. But yeah, while, while we're talking about uh, the exploding Gideon, you're on the that was a clone train. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you there. I mean, it, it's it's too easy of an like. As straight and like that was kind of like one of our pieces of feedback for this when we first started. It was like it. This is a very fucking straightforward finale. It seems like good guys fight bad guys. Good guys win. Get, bad guy gets exploded. Boom, done. But like, I do agree with you that I think that that's probably a clone. I don't like. And then as much talking as Giancarlo has done about like 
Oh yeah, in season four, Moff. Yeah, dude, he was talking about season four while season while he was doing press for season yeah, two. Yeah, I think. So, so. Unless this motherfucker pulled a Brendan Wayne and really is just like fucking with our heads, like he's gonna be in season. That, that's four. the thing. I mean, to me, Gideon is too good of a villain. He's too calculated. He planned things too long to just let himself get get got like that. Yeah. I mean, you would think a guy of a guy that excels in spycraft and and plans and long games would would have had a contingency if if this shit went sideways. Why would he ego aside be like, "No, nah, fuck it. I'm going to take everyone on myself." Is essentially what he ended up doing. Yeah. So I I do think real Gideon is out there. And this was all set up so he could potentially make his move to become the next leader of, of the Empire. I and mean, this is really, it, it is what he wanted to do, but I think he, he sent a clone just in case. Yeah, I mean, the only argument that you could have against it being a clone is like knowledge. You know, obviously, um, it, it just depends on like how long this clone has been viable, like in service, because you could like... The, the the only thing that you could say is like, well, how did he know everything that he knew about uh, about Bo and, and, and Din and, and Grogu and stuff like that? But it's like it's easy to pass that knowledge along, especially right. like if I mean, you know, we can use Palpatine logic. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, yeah, he's a Sith, but he inhabited a, a clone body and he knew all of <laughs> Palpatine's thoughts. So. Uh, yeah, in the, in the land of science fiction, I'm going with if, if Gideon's like, hey. Pershing, whoever, I want a, a, a carbon copy of myself right now with all the memories. I, I don't think that's out of the realm of yeah, possibility. I mean, like, yeah, I'm sure that there's ways to, to, to upload, you know, consciousness or, you know, sure. memories and stuff like that in the Star Wars universe, especially like. The- I mean, look, look what they did with with Tamir or Tamir's clones, uh, Jango's yeah, yeah. clones. They they pre-programmed their brains to be subservient warriors. So you could it, like I said, in science fiction and Star Wars, you, you, you can science whatever the fuck you want. So um, I just th- there's no way it seemed like too easy of a death for this this massive villain that's been kicking around in the galaxy since the fall of the emperor. So I, I, I think he'll be back. And, uh, hell, maybe he, he may even try to fuck Thrawn's arrival. You never know. You, you could definitely tell in episode seven, he was not a fan of Thrawn, didn't buy into the hype. And, and he had his own designs, which was, you know, force user Mando, uh, clones of himself in dark trooper 4.0 suits. That, that was his grand plan. Uh, he was, I, I, you know, first I, I thought he was just being, you know, funny in episode seven, but when you saw the clone hallway, he was not fucking kidding. In his mind, the thing that perfected the Dark Trooper program was the new suit and him in it. And he wasn't fucking kidding. He cloned himself a little a little army to to begin. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. He so was a clone I think now with the we force, can get into... he used the force. Yeah, yeah, he didn't have the force in, in this clone body. But we we Ah, uh, Sir Dork, you didn't you didn't hear us, buddy. He specifically the the what we are saying as a clone Gideon. He specifically says that the batch Din destroys was the first batch of the force infused yeah. clones. So that that's that. Yeah. We got we got you, Jared. Don't worry. Check Discord, please. <laughs> uh okay. So um what the hell else did I have in here? Why do I have all these images left? Linda says, all I don't right. think he's dead, he's in heavy duty Beskar. Well, that's the problem with being in a full metal suit when you get caught on fire. You literally burn to death. <laughs> 
and you get right, that's, baked. I mean, that's the the weapon Sabine yeah, created in it, Rebels. It, yeah, I was gonna it say was like, like a Tesla S- coil. Sabine, <laughs> like Sabine. I know Sabine's was electricity based, but it was essentially the same kind of like right. You just uh, warmed up the the meat until it melted, yeah. like literally with dust, and nothing would be left but the yeah. Best so guard. like he he got. Like that clone version of him got fried inside of that suit. Yeah, that thing's sure, toast. For sure. Hey, these days we could be completely wrong and Gideon is completely off the map, yeah. but I, I just, I don't It's think just so. like we're I, also I just, conditioned at this point in Star Wars to be like, oh, a main character died. They're definitely not fucking right. dead. <laughs> like, exactly. Just, I mean, the only one we could buy into because we literally saw him die in his son's arm and then his son lit his body on fire was Darth yeah, Vader. Like, that's it. Like legit. Everyone else, it's like, hey, you never know. You never know. I mean, shit, Kino Loy is pretty much confirmed yeah, coming like back. Yeah, like Kino Loy's coming uh, back, so and this motherfucker <laughs> was almost sure dead. <laughs> like, like. Right. He, he staged a prison breakout and then it, didn't leave didn't the prison. Leave so you, you'd think they'd just shoot him in the fucking head, but no, he's he's going to be back because the fans loved him. So yeah. You never know. Yeah. I just, you know, Linda, you can't literally until you see body parts everywhere, even then. Yeah. You probably can't. It's like, how do we know that Django Fett's bank? dead? Because his head got cut off. That's how we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, hey, here's a bunch of other cool looking images. I, I'm not <laughs> quite sure why I uploaded all these. But here they go. I guess it's just to eat up bandwidth on the site. What the fuck was I thinking? So I mean, oh, we well, got. I mean, like another top the, the Easter egg. Yeah, and like stuff. I mean, I guess another top moment would be like the 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 final like the destruction of the dark there you again, go. There you go. I got a picture of that. Go again, ahead. Like, talk on it a little bit. <laughs> I, I was pretty happy with seeing that because I do think that the dark saber has been essentially a like a dark omen that's hung over the uh, the Mandalorian. It's a curse. People. It's a fucking curse. Yeah, since it was stolen from the Jedi Temple after Tar Vizsla's death. Um, and but here's here's my thought on it. Like I, as a person who is like anti dark saber for the sake of Mandalorians, am happy to see it go down will it probably be reforged it's definitely a possibility like it just depends on like what the stance of the people of this new mandalorian culture is because as we learned in the penultimate episode like only half of them really cared about the dark saber and they didn't even really care about the dark saber they cared about like how the dark saber was gotten by whoever has it and I exactly. think that was all kind of squashed when Bo beat the shit out of uh, Axe Woves. Like after that, yeah. they were all like, you know what? She beat him fair and square. doesn't matter about the Darksaber or not. Like she's clearly the warrior equivalent of a leader to these people. Yeah, I, I mean, shit, the way the, the way the episode ended, even though it was on fast forward, I mean, she's given the torch, she reignites the Great Forge, and for Mandalore, for Mandalore, for Mandalore. I mean, she is the motherfucker. Yeah. So she she wasn't holding the Darksaber up to get those cheers. They were behind her because of what happened, the outcome. They did it. Bo-Katan had a full redemption arc at this point in time, going all the way back to her shittiness in the Clone Wars, being number two in Death Watch essentially fracturing Mandalorian society yeah, all the way through rebels trying to make amends. And now here we go. I mean, she did. And like, that's one thing that we really didn't focus on because it's not specific to the Mandalorian. It is like a, like pretty much like a three show arc for this character, but it is kind of like a beautiful conclusion for Bo-Katan and, and obviously not a conclusion. This character will continue to show up in 
and live action Star Wars series probably for the next couple of years. But like, what a journey, you know, to like to 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 meet Bo Katan as like this kind of I don't want to call her disenfranchised, but she was a youth that was like rebelling against her own people, you know, being lured to a a a a fanatical faction and and following them out of a sense of like misguided purpose um helps to 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 essentially uh dismantle her her the society the mandalorian society and has now come full circle to one reunite the people that she first rebelled with in in death watch i mean and i thought that that was very poignant that death watch was brought up and they were like well death watch has been gone for a while um to like reunite both factions of mandalorian society and be able to be the one that leads them all back to prominence and to, to retake their home planet. I mean that like her character story arc gets lost in this because people think that this show is about Din. Um, uh, this season was all about her, her redemption. And you know, he, he, he was a part of it, but I mean, season three, in my opinion, was the Bo-Katan coming out. Yeah. Season. So like, I, I, I do think that like, that her arc and where she ended in season three was really kind of poignant. And it was really, Oh yeah. Uh, just a well-earned, uh, character moment for sure. I, I guess, I mean, when you talk about like that, Nick, that I get, that probably is the most exciting aspect we have coming out of Mandalorian season three is, is what's going to happen next with the, a reformed Mandalorian society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What will they do? Will, will it instantly fucking break down because they get back in their faction politics or be, or because the dark saber's gone, they retook Mandalore together under one leader, uh, you know, bringing various factions together with different belief systems. What will that look like? You know, why, why do we not hear anything about Mandalorians in the sequel trilogy? Do they just ride off into the sunset and become isolationists again? Cause that's who they were. They were isolationists during the Clone War. They they wanted nothing to do with anything. It, it was it was Maul's fault that they had to bring the Republic to Mandalore to get his ass yeah. off. So I mean, th- you're all right. I mean that that's really that's probably to me the most exciting possibilities yeah. is for the Mandalorians. It, what what do they do now? Like this is an opportunity for 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 Star Wars to break out of its like most formulaic uh, like structure. Because Star Wars is cyclical as fuck. Because here's what happens. Bad guy, good guy, war. Good guys win. Peace for a bit. Bad guy, good guy, war. Bad guys win. Chaos for a bit. <laughs> Bad guy, good guy, war. All circle around again. And yeah, it's course. the same shit that happens with, with Mandalorians. Mandalorians always get into the cycle of, hey, we're going to have, like, we're going to be a warrior society, warrior society, warrior society, move away from warrior society for a long time, peace, isolationism, nobody fucking with you, people inside of Mandalore, I want to fight, I want to fight, I want to fight, Mandalorian civil war, back to the top. And it, it, it fucking goes like that the whole time. And that's, this is exactly what we've gotten out of just now is like, we were still in this kind of like Mandalorian cold war where you had, the you had the the warrior mercenary ma- uh, Mandalorians that were like axe woves, Casca and and Bo, and then you had the isolationist Mandalorians that were the bunker kids, 
And like, finally, we've gotten now we finally gotten back to the point to where it's like all copacetic again. But how long is it going to be until one of these factions rises up again to be like, right, we need to fight or we need to not fight. Like it's that. Yeah. So that that's I mean, to me, that's where I mean, Mandalorian season four, obviously, I think Din and Grogu are still going to be the, the, the face men. But I do hope we they explore a bit of what has happened now that Mandalorian society is, has been reformed. Will they get mixed right up with Ahsoka's journey? Uh, will they uh, tie into the New Republic at yeah. all? Uh, I mean, it, that, that, it, that's all. I mean, it might not sound exciting on paper, but hey, I've never been here for the gunfights and laser swords. I just like the fucking science fiction lore through and through. Uh, here's a good one here from Nova. I want to pop up real quick. Um, I'm sure you noticed the very in-your-face circle wipe at the end of this episode, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> And um, if you go back and look at uh, Nova, what he's putting up here is also the circle wipe transition at the end implies that this is the end of an arc phase one complete. I thought that was a good touch and he's not wrong. I forget. I, I think it's a new hope, but it's like at the end of certain movies, you only get this, the circle wipe, which signifies a, a major transition, like a main arc has completed um, Nova, if you've got the link to where that you know, someone actually did like some work and, and produced a bit that made it make more sense than my dumbass can explain. But I'm, I'm with Nova on that. I think that circle wipe was on purpose. It wasn't just cutesy shit to show Grogu hovering frogs. It was to signify that this season three ends essentially the first part of the Mandalorian story or the Mandoverse story yeah yeah that makes sense yeah i mean i think that like the idea i mean because i mean if you just kind of look at like season one was was literally just like you know dad and his boy making his way through the galaxy but it like it it quickly transitioned in season two to about like once bo katan came in this this show became about like the mandalorian people um and now that's over i mean for as long as it can be so now we are gonna move i mean and and now the new transition, the transition is going to be um, now that the Mandalorians have their shit together. Uh, let's let's talk about this imminent threat to the galaxy. And now you have, okay, you okay. know, that's that's probably so here's a, here's a good one from Johnny. What would be our elevator pitch to Lucasfilm then for season four and the Mandalorians? I mean, for season four and the Mandalorians, it's like, here's the thing is like season four is essentially going to be like. Like as Book of Boba Fett was like Mando chapter two point five, I feel like Mando season four is gonna be like Ahsoka chapter one point five. Like, like I th- <laughs> okay, I, fair. No, I mean you're probably not wrong. I mean I think that's what it's gonna be because like Ahsoka is going to reintroduce Thrawn into the galaxy. Thrawn is going to come in with the uh, like if if they if they're taking shit from heir to the Empire. Like there is going to be like a phantom fleet included, like because that was I mean, like that wasn't directly heir to the Empire. That was like a lot like there was a lot of stories in this timeline. Yeah, I I think you're you're I think you're on to something because, you know, there have been rumors of like potential zombie troopers or or or, or troopers that feel reanimated and not actual things living. It's like standard troopers before like. There was like in original, like old EU stuff, like before 
Air of the Empire, I'm pretty sure it was before Air of the Empire because it was it was literally in the X-Wing series and in, in something like like right in that time period. There was a there was like a lost fleet. There was like a lost Imperial fleet that was like out in the outer reaches of the galaxy when all the shit went down in ROTJ. And it was all like after the fall of the Empire, all of the like Imperial warlords or Imperial like higher military rankings that were up there were trying to find this fleet because it was like a super fucking powerful fleet. They're like, if we get this fleet and bring it back into the galaxy, we can retake power. So I think that they're going to like take that piece and then take the Thrawn piece from Heir to the Empire and kind of marry those things. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, So what you're going to essentially this this is going to be the beginning of like Thanos is here. Oh, shit. Like, so Ahsoka, you're going to have the entry of Thrawn into the galaxy and he will have power behind him, whether it be from whatever he was working on with uh, with Morgan Elsbeth or something else. That can't get wrapped up in one season. And that's going to that is a galaxy wide type of threat. That's not going to just be like, well, Ahsoka can deal with it. And then her her buddies from Phoenix Squadron, they got it. Yeah, no, I, I think we're going to learn in the Ahsoka series that, no, they, they can't deal with it. She yeah. tried to nip it in the bud early, tried to enlist help, but that help never came. And, and the Rebels are only as big as the Rebels. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, 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 what is there, like four or five of them left? Yeah, so, so like, I mean, essentially what it's going to end up turning into is like a very MCU style thing where it's like once, all right. once like in Infinity War happened, uh, or like, you know, like, th- like Thanos made himself like very much the, the key person in the galaxy. Every movie that even the movies that weren't Avengers focused were like, that was the, what they were trying to figure out is like, what, what what's the best way that we oh, can yeah. handle this? And I think that's what Mando season four is going to be. So we have, uh, Ahsoka and then, and, uh, and then there's really like if they do dis- skeleton crew, it, yes. we should get skeleton crew before season four. Yeah, so those are our two like main ones. It it would be really interesting to me if they if they like if skeleton crew, if the skeleton crew crew got fucking wrapped up in the in the uh, in the Thrawn stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that Mando season four is going to be like a true like uh, Din reaches out to the Mandalorians to be like, Hey, I know that you guys just got your shit together, but like we, there is an imminent threat. That's not only going to affect right. you, but it's going to affect yeah, everybody. That, that's where I'm going. So here's, here's what I'd like to see in season four real quick. Then we'll, we'll get back to punching this out. I would like Bo herself to assist Ahsoka. She fucking yeah, owes her one. Definitely. So I want to see that. Like Bo owes Ahsoka big time. Cause Ahsoka is who got Maul off the fucking planet. Like you said, we already know Din and Din Grogu will be working with with um, Teva and them. So, yes, that's coming. But kind of what Nick just said there, I would like, you know, an Axwove, a Casca Reeves, some of the name people, maybe even the Armorer. I'd like them also to potentially go on a, a, a job or a mission for the New Republic when shit really starts to get hairy. I just I don't want the Mandalorians to become isolationists again. I don't think they will based on what we saw this season and what they had to do to retake their planet. Uh, I, I I'm like you. I want to see them directly involved. Uh, Bo in particular with Ahsoka uh, and the other named faces that we've we've come to know and, and possibly love. I'll tell you what. I've been dragging my feet on buying the Casca Reeves and Axe Wove's hot toys. 
Casca uh, in particular might have earned her a, a place on my shelf after the finale because I don't know if you all or you Nick if you were watching like some of the action scenes where they focused on her she's a fucking badass like when she she like flies in she shoot motherfucker slides across that platform falls off shoot shoots her knee missiles at the yeah. dude whacks another guy I mean hey she might not have a, a ton of lines and just you know is usually good for a one-off but Casca, like I said, she may have earned herself an action figure by. Um, but yeah, I, I just, you know, let, let's see them do their thing again. Like I said, watching bands of Mandalorians work together and use all their trinkets to kick ass. That's something special to watch in Star Wars. And, you know, we all love our force users. But for the most part, what do you get with force users? Stuff flying across the screen. It's floating and some laser swords. You're not getting motherfuckers going Mach 20 with jetpacks on, whacking people in the face with steel hammers. So I, I just let's not let these Spartans of Star Wars rest too long yeah. on Mandalore's. And I mean, I really do think that like even at this point, even in Mando season four, we have to start building threads towards like the big question, which is why didn't we see Mandalorians in the sequel trilogy? Yeah. I mean, do they, does Thrawn just show up and he's like, all right, we, we tried to do this the first time yeah. and just blast the planet. I mean, cause, like, Oh, they're all back here now. <laughs> Boom. I mean, cause the thing is, is like, if anybody's going to take that tact, it will be Thrawn. Like Thrawn is a brill like brilliant doesn't even describe it good enough. He is a transcendent Savant. military tactician that really understands things that even the emperor doesn't understand when it comes to tactical awareness on a battlefield on a war Ooh, time scale. Those are big words. All right. Now that you said that, do you... All right, let's say it was Thrawn versus Palpatine for a long game evil plan. Who ends if up it's winning? A, if, it's a, if it's a military engagement, Thrawn wipes him off the board. It's not even close. Like Thrawn defeats... Hit, like if it's a game of risk, let's put it this way. If it's a game of risk <laughs> and it's Thrawn versus Palpatine, Thrawn wins he that wins game in 45 time. minutes. Like it's, it's, okay, it's not so even close. So what if it's... it's Military and politics, which is Palpatine's yeah. kind of what it, he had to navigate. It, if it's military and politics, if it comes down to the politics, Thrawn loses because that's a game that he never wanted to play and never really right, enjoyed right. playing. And the only reason that he ranked up the way that he did is because he was in Palpatine's favor. Like Palpatine loved the guy because he was this transcendent genius. And like... um. But he would like he would never engage in that game because that's not like Chiss don't have that like that type of personality to where they can like easily engage in like political nonsensory. Um, right. Got it. But yeah, I mean. All right. So so what if they're put in a room and they both have to show off their unlimited power? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's like a who wins if it's one? a cage fight, um, man. It's it's actually interesting if, if it's a cage fight too because he's such a good he's like such a good hand to hand combat person like he's really good in a, in a single fight but I think that the force just wins out. Um, but if like if I was if I'm about to start a military campaign and I need a 
a top ranking general to run the whole thing. If I'm like, I don't know shit about war and I just need somebody to run this whole war thing for me. I'm picking Thrawn over Palpatine every time. Did you ever explain to me why Thrawn was, didn't have more power over Tarkin or wasn't at a, a larger, a greater level, a greater station? I think it was like a lot of it was because they were on opposite sides of like the political coin, like, or, or like the, the power broker coin for lack of a better re- like term, like, like, uh, Tarkin can leverage political tie-ins. He can leverage, um, like he, he so he not only has like the, the tie-ins directly to Palpatine himself, like Thrawn has, but he also has like a shitload of political connections that he can leverage to his favor where Thrawn didn't really have that. Thrawn had like right. pure logic and military prowess. He's like, look, and that's why Thrawn was pushing for the tie defender stuff. Thrawn saw like Thrawn looks at this big ass, like planet destroying space station. And he's like, yeah, but if somebody blows it up, then you're done. And he's like, if yeah. we have the best ships in, uh, in the galaxy and we have, tons of them mass produced we can't lose like it's impossible for us to lose because we outmaneuver them we out firepower them and like purely based off of manpower we outnumber them like if we if we use tie defenders we just win but tarkin championed the like tarkin was championing the uh project stardust stuff he's got the political connections to pull those levers Plus, he's also in Palpatine's favor. So when it comes down to it, Palpatine looks at it and he's like, well, it's a lot of logistical work to mass produce these huge, like these starfighters that you. Yeah. And we know from the Bad Batch that he's cheap as fuck. Yeah. Like he's he's like he's like a penny. Which still makes no sense. Yeah. Like literally (laughs) doesn't make any sense to me. You're the fucking emperor of an entire galaxy and you're worried about the budget. Like, what (laughs) are we talking about You control the currency. Like, you could... Just make the fucking money, pal. Like, who cares about inflation? You're already an emperor. It's not like you're a president. You weren't democratically elected. You took... You took power by force, so just keep doing it. Who gives a shit? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it was ridiculous. Oh boy! All right. Yeah, I mean, see, that's always fun. It it is. We had a good we had a good comment there from Joe Coglin. I I would love to play Risk with Thrawn. Get that game over with as fast. as Yeah, I mean, he would he would end that game before you even know what you could do. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, oh man, yeah. that's always see Nick always he's uh, I have zero Thrawn knowledge outside of what I've heard from Nick and what I've seen in Rebels. So I, I like to check in on that every once so, in a so while. So like that's why I'm really that's why I'm upset that they didn't stinger Thrawn in, in this one because like his in, like his entry into this galaxy means a fucking world of trouble for the Mandalorian. Yeah, I mean, dude, the other thing you got to think about Captain Pallion knows about the Mandalorian threat. Uh-huh. So, I mean, if he, if he is talking with Thrawn, he could be already giving Thrawn a heads up, like, hey, listen, Gideon fucking failed. Mandalorians are back. That's target number one. Uh, because even him, you know, he was he was getting a little like, hey, you know what, Gideon, you don't really need resources. But once Gideon's like, oh, by the way, Mandalorians are reuniting and they're going to take Mandalore, that's when Peleon was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fucking problem, pal. That could screw up even my plans with Thrawn's return. So you would have to assume that um, Pelion went to 
whoever he is communicating with Thrawn with, or if it is the blue guy himself, and was like, hey, heads up. Yeah, we, we got a big, a much bigger problem than the New Republic to deal with once you get yeah, back. Yeah, and I mean, think about it. Uh, like, in Rebels, Thrawn fucked with one Mandal, two, maybe two Mandalorians. Like, he, he fucked around with Sabine. And, like, that whole squadron gave him more troubles than anybody or any group had in his entire well, tenure. Well, it, it, it led to his... To like where potential demise. Yeah. I mean, it, it took him off the chessboard for the emperor. I mean, it's like, and this was before Battle of Yavin, everything. It was right when the rebel alliance became a thing. They they finally made themselves known. And you are correct. I mean, through through Sabine and the Ghost Crew and and with a Phoenix Squadron, they they were able to take a major player off the fucking board. Yeah. So like the fact that He's coming into this galaxy now already having some knowledge of Mandalorians and like what yeah. they can do to know that like the, the, the Mandalorian people have coalesced into like a like a a unit that is like a, a fighting unit. That again. would be that would be target. Oh, one, yeah, he's think, he's like fun. coming down on the Mandalorians like you think that the Empire fucking glass this Fire! place. <laughs> just fucking start shooting. Doesn't even announce himself. Yeah, just fucking. Over. Hey. Here's a good one from Bat. I, I, you know, I don't, we didn't really need to see Thrawn, not even the back of his head, but we needed something. And I like what Bat's saying here. They should have at least shown Pelion getting an alert at the end. Little light flashing, he looks up, would have been perfect. Yes. Yeah, I know. Like a singer that, like that would have just, like, yeah. Like, fantastic. That would have been a great way to play because you've introduced Pelion already. So, and you know that Pelion is, is involved with Thrawn in, in like right. a big fashion. So, like, that would have been the perfect way to just like tease. The, the lack of a stinger, the more I think about it, is, isn't, it's not, a, it's not an issue. Let's be real. I mean, issues are the, the planet's going to explode and we suck as humans. But it, it does, it just kind of adds to the fact that the season three finale was just too clean. There was, there was nothing. So like e- even that little bump that bat gave us would have been like, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah all right. Like, now, now, all right. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Now we so know, cool, now we know somebody's coming. Now we know he's, right. he's out there. So, okay. Well, let's get in a few Easter eggs and stuff and then we can move on from, from the finale here. But the way things are going, we may not get to the bad batch thing. You never know. We'll see how the Easter egg breakdown plays out. Uh, but th- these usually go pretty quick, but here we go. Um, you know, this is one thing I was like, oh, what was the point of even capturing Din if he was going to be freed within the first two seconds? And how the fuck did Grogu get to him? We're not going <laughs> to worry about that stuff. It's science fiction. Who gives a shit in the end? But the reason we're talking about the rescue is a callback to season one. I don't even know how Grogu knew this because he was not there. But I like when he rescues Din and just starts immediately hosing him down with back to spray from IG-12's <laughs> arm, which, you know, remember, you got to remember IG-11, that's how he saved Din in season one when he kind of got blowed up a little bit. Uh, so I, I thought that was a nice touch. And the fact that Grogu would not let go of the trigger is just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like anyone that's had, had kids, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh yeah, just go ahead and pour some out for yourself. They're like, <laughs> like the whole fucking jar goes out. It's like, okay, all right. Well, that's <laughs> I mean, definitely you, you got some. it done, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, up next, 
Uh, you know who else had a, I don't know if you can call it a redemption arc, but definitely some growth to this season, and that is R5, all right? Mr. Scaredy Droid himself. Uh, I just, I don't know, there's something about this droid and his personality that I'm really digging at this point in time. And, you know, Nick Din calls him in to help with the ray shields. The best part is, like, as he's flying in, you could tell he's scared he's shitless. Like, he lands, you could tell he's scared shitless. He's, like, looking over the edge, like, <laughs> fuck. He's looking around corners, like, oh, shit, mouse droids. But it just, the reason I'm talking about this in our references breakdown, it, it reminded me of, of R2's job on the Death Star. You know, again, he was he was kind of the hero for the meatbags out there. And without R5, Din and Grogu would have been fucked in that hallway. Um, but it just, you know, R5 has been a pleasure this season. He ratted out the Mando covert unknowingly. <laughs> he gave Din shit when they first got the Mandalore about getting outside into the air that's poison. <laughs> and then it's just like, man, watching him fly down. And just scoping out the situation, going like, how the fuck did I get myself into this? Like, how did I end up here? I was having a good life on Tatooine with Pelly, and that motherfucker sold me into servitude again. <laughs> God so, damn it, I was out. <laughs> I was done with this shit. And then, he, you know, even the little payoff when the mouse droid rats him out, and he goes and gets all his buddies, and they, they get their little cop car lights on, doing the, uh, the uh, circle jerk around them. So, R5. We love you, but really the reference was R5 hacking the base plans. I just took a while to get there. Um, all right, so Din's fight, and for those of you that are preloading Jedi Survivor, uh, we got to see the stun batons that first showed up in Jedi Survivor, or, or Fallen Order, but Nick, if you really look close at the baton and the shields, you could make an argument that these are the 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 Gen 1 versions of the First Order shield and baton troopers that we saw in the force awakens remember the guy that challenges yeah. finn uh at mass Kanata's base the shields are definitely gen yeah. one to what we see with the first order troops so uh, i thought that was a nice little touch and like i said i might have been a little salty after my first viewing but din's hallway fight is is pretty damn spectacular no, that was really cool. not not as uh, you know, um, eye fucking as when force users are in a hallway, but it was definitely up there, and and I owe him an apology. <laughs> uh, it, really, I, I think this was. I I would imagine Latif was probably in this episode for almost the entire time. Lots of you know, this is the first we we got to see Din because he didn't have a blaster use his martial arts, and that's always going to be Latif. Um, yeah. So yeah. Good stuff there. And what else? Oh, the Gideon clones. Okay, we, we've talked about him. And then the shot I got up there, if you look at it, man, that that that's a clone. The guy we saw. That's not the moth that we came to know and love <laughs> in season one and two. It just, he even looked a bit younger. I mean, I'm not saying Giancarlo looks old and decrepit, but there's just, when I saw him show up in season seven again, I was like, oh, you know, what is it? Is it the haircut? Is it the mustache? But as we identified clones. But really the point and the reason it made this breakdown, those clone tanks, same ones we saw in Navarro, same ones we saw in, in this season of Bad Batch. So there you go. There's the rub. And then sticking with Gideon, he had himself an electro staff, just like purge troopers used to whip. So yes, we all know that they can block laser swords. I had to explain that to the family. Like it's okay. 
This is established canon. It actually kind of goes all the way back to the the Clone Wars with our uh, Magna Guards and their staffs. But yes, these can uh, block laser-based weapons. And then to round this list off, he's no longer IG-12. He is back in full form as IG-11, the Marshal. And uh, you had to like the nice touch. Did you see they even gave him a holster? (laughs) I like that. They literally gave him a holster. You got a little bit of a paint job. Yeah. But if you go back and watch that, they, they gave the motherfucker a six-shooter holster like a true Marshall would, <laughs> just like Cobb had on uh, what, what most Pelgos. Yeah. So nice touch there. Good stuff. Uh, here's Bat. Yeah, Bat, Bat, he was popping off on this in the Discord. But um, Din has the most fire-retarded yeah. cape of all that, time. That cape doesn't it's get like, <laughs> cape Come on, man. Good. Like anytime Din would get hit with flame, nothing. He would flame those super commandos are like, oh, yeah. oh, you could tell it like hurt him. It didn't kill him, but not Din. That fucking cape keeps him safe. Yeah. Ice cold. So good point. <laughs> good point there, Bat. All right. So yeah, I guess the last thing we haven't covered from the ha, and, and we did briefly talk about it, but it does seem at this point in time at least for Mandalorian foundlings, they take the name of their adopted Mandalorian as their first name. Yeah. So there's a great chance that Din is his Din's real name is Jean. Yeah, it's like it's a family. Your family name is first. I mean, it's 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 like that. Exactly. Like, I would be Haywood Matt. He'd be Cam and Eden yeah, Nick. Yeah. It's, it's, it's And it's that. like, I, that's like in a lot of Eastern traditions too. I think like some families in China still do that where you're, you put your family name before your personal name. Yeah, sure. But this, this fired people up for some reason. Like what? His fucking name is Bob. I was like, fuck, man, really? What, <laughs> like what's the big, what's the big because fucking it's deal like, if, if, I mean, if, if Din's name is Jaren and not yeah, Din? Yeah. I mean like, cares? yeah, I mean. <laughs> You know, you can look at, and again, like, like, I think that people don't understand that, like within a society, you can have like subgroups because everybody's like, well, Bo-Katan Krees and Satine Krees. And She's, they're pure, they're pure yeah. blood though. They're, they're, they they're, are yeah. true Mandalorians. I think this is only yeah, a family this, it's thing. It's not like, it's not the same. Like there are subgroups within a society that have their own traditions and their own way of naming themselves and stuff like that. So you can't like, you know, Django, like, I mean, I guess you could point to Django Fett, but like we, and like, but like, I don't know, man. It's just like, does it really fucking matter that much? (laughs) Like why? No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if, cause I think Django was canonically made a foundling via the Mandalorian, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, but but that that then means all the legend stuff with Django is it real or not? Did the Jaster actually have anything to do with them? Because that was also in Boba's chain code in the Mandalorian. So if that's the case, our theory goes out the window that it's only foundlings. But Nick is also correct. There are there are groups of humans that could all be Christians that may name themselves different. If that helps anybody, you know what I mean? I mean. You are not wrong. My my boss right now, his name is Apabio Apabio. Yes. So like that that that's his name. So it it's I I'm like you. I didn't quite get the the shock and awe from that reveal. It's like, all right. I mean, these people are weird enough as it is. Why not, you know, change the, the order of your names? 
Yeah. I mean, cause Pat Paz didn't, but he, Paz isn't a foundling. I mean, he's, he's of the Vizsla clan. He's got technically pure Mando blood running through his veins. Yeah. And, and the armor, her first name is the, at this point, Yeah, we, we have we no fucking, fucking idea know. what her name is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like canonically he's a foundling. Like Mandalorian chapter 14, the trash. So is, is, is Boba's real name? Fet? Fet? Is it Fet they- Boba? Like who get? like, I don't know. Like it's nothing I'm going to waste brain cells on. I can tell yeah, you that. So, but I, I, I think your assessment is probably the best. It's just, it's that particular group, the children, that's how they roll yeah. and that's okay. And that can't happen. It's nothing worth, you, you know, fucking getting all pissy about. Yeah, so, I mean, I I uh, don't get too hung right. up on little semantic bullshit like that. I mean, it doesn't really matter. No, no. But hey, welcome to the Star Wars fandom. This week's drama, Nick, you're probably like, oh, great. Oh, no more new Star Wars. No, there shouldn't be any Star Wars drama. Uh, but apparently the drama this week is that <laughs> Jedi Survivor gamers are pissed that those that bought the physical disc edition are still going to have to download like 100 gigs on launch day. So that's the controversy this week. I mean, you got to be aware of that now. As a gamer, like that's every fucking game. You can't like, I don't think people realize that games these days are, are they have a heavy footprint and you're not going to fit all that on a, on a fucking game disc Dude, anymore. That, doesn't, doesn't happen. That's why like... I just told, I told Matt before we went live, I was like, yeah, I just bought a one terabyte solid state drive for my computer to upgrade my storage. Cause like I've been running with this 500 gig, uh, solid state drive for years now. And I've like doing a lot of deleting. Yeah. It's like, I'm constantly like, well, I was playing this game, but now I stopped playing it and I want to play this game. So I have to delete this game and then install this game until I stop playing this one and I uninstall it and put another one on there. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like this this solid state drives on sale for 66 bucks, one terabyte. I'm buying it. <laughs> like, so, but yeah, I mean like that's, that's just gaming now. It's, it's, it's not like it was back in the day. Like when, when me and Matt were, were youngins where you buy a disc and that's all it is and it will never be anything more. And they can't fix any of the problems. Like hey, now, like I said, I just, you know, I, I, I like to report back to you what, what, what the fuckery <laughs> is this week. And that, that's where we're at. So. Gigs, baby. Get ready. Delete some game off of your PS. Well, apparently, apparently the full, full game requires 155. I don't know if that's just for PC, but yeah, I mean, if you want 4k, this 8k, that cell shade, this light ray, that there's going to be a lot of fucking data to get heavy. that done. Be heavy download. All right, dude. You know, I think we we're actually doing all right on time. So I'm going to move into the Bad Batch just to put it to bed officially so then we can put Mando Season 3 to bed next week. All right, so, you know, for the next 10, 15 minutes, Nick and I are going to reflect back on the Bad Batch. Bad Batch Season 2, that is. And, of course, my graphic's not going to look all right here, but it doesn't really matter. Um, No one's paying attention anyways at this point in time. We'll just zoom out a bit. Here we go. So... Kind of like we did with with Andor and whatnot. At the end of the season, we we, we like to recap top moments. We're not even going to get in the weeds and, and bitch and moan about some of the the less than spectacular things that happened in Bad Batch season two. We're just going to focus on the good and see what happens. Oh, that was even worse. So Nick, I've, I've got some stuff posted up in the our secret Slack chat. So to start. With our breakdown of the Bad Batch season two's best moments, and, and these aren't in any particular order, so no one get upset quite yet. I just gotta get the right Slack screen up. Okay, here we go. All right, 
So, top moments. Here we go. No particular order, Nick. Feel free to comment. Cody and Crosshair, that episode. In particular, the defection of Cody and, um, you know, the, the effect that that had on, on Crosshair. Because I do think Cody leaving that early on in the season ultimately impacted Crosshair's state of mind, which led to him doing what he did on that snow planet in, I think, episode 12, where he shot the commanding officer. So, for me, that is one of the top 10 moments of Bad Batch Season 2, the, the, that whole Cody episode, but really... Cody kind of dropping that knowledge on Crosshair. Like, listen, we're not droids. We we can make our own decisions. And more importantly, we have to live with our decisions. Yeah. No, I, I think that, like, one of the strongest plot lines, even though it did, like, drag a little bit and it, it went on a little bit longer than than we would have liked before its, like, conclusion was the the Crosshair stuff. I think that, like, him slowly coming to the realization that, like, it is staying with the empire may have felt like the right thing at first, but like they don't value you. There's no place here for you. And eventually it would just lead to them killing you. I think that that was, that was a very strong storyline. And I think that like having a character like Cody early on in that journey, like impart that wisdom to him, be like, look, man, like we are outdated software, essentially. They're going to be there. We're going to get rotated out. Like that was very powerful for, for the, for like him starting to process everything that's going on. But I agree that that was definitely a highlight. And you know, if the shit wasn't fucked up, you'd actually see an image of crosshair and Cody, but who cares? So moving on to the next one, tech and Omega bond in the cave after echo left the group. Now, you got to remember this. This was during the, the the two horrible episodes that were back to back, episodes nine and ten, Nick. But I do feel like that moment. They're in that cave. They just you know went through like that the underground water slide. They're sitting there in that blue light, and you know for the first time, tech kind of opens up as an actual being and not just a an organic robot. Yeah. And and now that we know what we know about tech's journey throughout the rest of the season that moment is very poignant when you reflect back on it and and what was exchanged there and tech kind of relating it to omega like listen i'm emotionally jacked i deal with things this way and and that's why you aren't seeing me acting so sad and it you know just helped them form the bond between those two that grew throughout the season and then the the sad payoff on all that growth was his expected demise yeah i mean i think that that was a like in the moment it was definitely one of those like episodes where we're like oh it's you know good good character development for for uh tech especially after the way that we had seen him in season one which was like very robotic very uh like task oriented not really having a a like basically having like no no like social like can't read social cues, not really comfortable with social interaction. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, he he was he's like a C three PO yeah, with with human like parts in him. Um, and then yeah, I mean, like upon reflection after the full season's over, like going back and looking at that, you're like, that was actually like a very poignant moment, knowing what it led to. Um, so yep. yeah, I I definitely agree. All right, so the next one I have, Gunji returns. Oh yeah. 
And it was it was more for uh, shit. I'm never gonna be able to get to the top. Who cares? It was more for you know just just kind of getting that 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 payoff on a Clone Wars character, knowing they're still alive, but also for a a return or not a return, but a a, a trip to Kashyyyk, spending time with Wookies, getting to see Wookie culture and how they. Uh, we're kind of dealing with the empire and the in the and their use of the transdotions to enslave Wookies, and uh, you could also argue that that Gunji kind of gave Omega some lessons on on focus, meditation, thinking before you act. Uh, and, you know, just seeing that dude's wooden green lightsaber is always exciting too. So um, that's why I put the Gunji return up there on this yeah, list. Yeah, I mean, you don't get to see many Wookie Jedi. I mean, I know that we're going to be seeing Wookie Jedi in a. Uh I think what is it, Acolyte, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Munis is literally starring yeah, as a Jedi. a Jedi. I mean, it, I, for it, sure. it, I mean, I I wonder if it's the Wookiee Jedi that no, because I think he died. Um, there is a Wookiee Jedi in the uh, Old Republic novels, but I can't remember his name right now. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure Nick that the the Wookiee may come from High Republic stories. Yeah, yeah. That or I don't know. I don't know if he's new for the Acolyte or if they tapped in the one. Did I say Old Republic? I meant High Republic. High Republic. I meant High Republic. Oh, okay. Yeah, I meant, right. I meant yeah, well, there you go. Okay. So we're both we're both dumb, but <laughs> yeah, yes, no, we said I, something I, about a Wookiee. I said, Jedi. I said that wrong. <laughs> um yeah. Um but yeah, I mean like uh it's always cool to see Gunji and and any sort of like Wookiee representation outside of uh you know, there's not many force wielding Wookiees. I'm, I've been reading about one in the Yoda comics, which, by the way, I just did a quick cap and review of, I think, Yoda number six. Check it out. We're talking Wookiee Jedi, Tiger Jedi and Transdotion Jedi. So uh, Yoda was running like a farm back in the day oh, uh, when Dooku was a bit younger. <laughs> uh, all right. M- moving on. The next one here. Meeting Mayday and his effect on Crosshair. So, Nick, Mayday was the. Uh, wannabe Dangar clone from the uh, the the snowy episode, and obviously he had a a huge impact on Crosshair. I mean, you, you could argue an even bigger impact than Cody did, but I think Cody was the first to kind of chip away at Crosshair's bullshit armor when it came to the Empire, and then Mayday oh, yeah. fully fully broke him. Oh free. yeah, because because he got to see in real time how little the Empire cares about clones. He got to see it to, to the point of death. Like he, he literally like him and Mayday like met and bonded in a day, if that less than a day. And mm-hmm. Crosshair's literally dragging his body back to Imperial headquarters, save, do something, help this guy, save him. And they literally just let him die on the ground in front of, they don't even move him. Like, they don't even pretend like he's like he's which worse. Nick. I I don't know if you remember, but earlier in the episode when they walked across one of the raiders, and uh, you know Mayday's like, oh man, I can't believe they didn't even take him with them. And Crosshair's like, yeah, fuck that, screw dead dead soldiers. So that like to your point, his even that short amount of time with Mayday was enough for Crosshair to even change his stance on saving fallen brothers yeah. i mean he, he mayday really worked him over but nick is correct it was more it was more allowing crosshair to see the imperial bullshit towards the clones in person than anything else yeah, 100%. Uh, good moment okay this is probably one of my favorite if not the top 
But the clone decommissioning arc and, and, you know, Palpatine showing up to throw Rampart under the bus, that was probably the best back-to-back storytelling of the season. Uh, we got a lot of great callbacks to the to the Clone Wars. We got setups for things that we see play out in, in future Star Wars properties. We got a major answer about the Empire's plan for the clones, and it was just, hey, we're going to... We're essentially going to throw them under the bus and, and say they, they went rogue thanks to this crazy admiral. And that just took care of any of those debates. So it was more, it, it was more it, not an exact moment. I, I latched on Palpatine's arrival on the Senate floor because that, that was like, oh shit, here he is. And he does the bus throwing right in front of us. But really, if you think about that, that whole arc with, with, with Chuchi and, and Rex and, Learning about the clones and and their ultimate fate with the Empire is just choice. Bad batch. Yeah. I mean, two. it is. It's also like it, it's Palpatine's. You're you're seeing Palpatine working in his arena, in like his arena of choice and his specialty to a T. You know, like that. That is. That's what got Palpatine to where he is. Is is political maneuverings and then taking things that you would think would would harm his reputation and and put him in a really tough spot with everybody around him flipping it on his head and then using it to bolster his point of view and yeah. like no it was beautiful yeah. i mean it was it, it was it was picture perfect sheave palpatine master plan another another little long game not as long as his his big long game but another one like uh, all that was by design all of it was by design. You, you could argue that he had always planned to use Rampart as the fall guy. I mean, that, that's how thought out he is. Uh, Nova, Nick, giving us some clarification. The High Republic Wookiee is in the yeah, books, yeah. and he can sense people's emotions with his force. Yeah, powers. I remember that from the half of the first book of the uh, High Republic I read. <laughs> because within the half of that yeah, first book... Yeah, I listened book, to like the first 20 yeah. minutes. I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, within know. the half of the first book, like there's a huge tragedy that's striking this planet and he can like feel the emotions because they're like trying to evacuate people and they Got use you. his force so ability. Just like Obi-Wan Kenobi when he feels uh, millions of voices yeah. reaching out at once. Yeah. They're all stopped at Very once. Similar. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, one of these days we may have to go back to it, especially because the acolyte is, is now is coming. Yeah, be I mean, High I, Republic adjacent, I, and it, it seems to be thriving, dude. Like the High Republic, it's in what? It's like third, third or fourth phase, phase and it seems yeah. like like there is a there is a rabid community of High Republicers out there. It just to me, I'm kind of treating it like I did back in the day when Lucas owned everything, and the, and the EU popped up, and he's like, hey fine but that shit's bullshit and i was like all right if he's saying it's bullshit then i ain't gonna now, fucking now i think they are this. i i do have the first two novels so like i and like i said i'm halfway through one of them so i can go back and read it i just gotta like i gotta maybe maybe the acolyte will be the thing that really like pushes me over the Gets edge us going yeah, i think okay so. well that's kind of what i was i was hinting at is like knowing me and seeing moving pictures if the acolyte kicks as much ass as i think it could my fat ass is, is going to read these fucking books. Yeah. It's going to happen. Kind of like when I was watching House of the Dragon, I'm like, Jesus, I need to, I kind of want to read this shit now and figure out what's coming next because I don't want to wait for the next season. And I did get the book. Has it been opened? Absolutely not. So <laughs> another, another fail for me. All right. Moving on with our breakdown of Bad Batch Season 2's top moments. We just talked about the, the clone decommissioning arc. 
And, you know, since we were kind of talking about Clone Wars payoffs and whatnot, I'm going to move to the Zillow Beast arc payoff. And like I said, it's it's just it's me and my appreciation of Star Wars is through lines, it's parallels, but paying off on on a narrative that was started in a different property many, many years ago. I just I like that type of stuff. It lets me know that these people give a shit. There is some sort of a plan. The right people are in the room talking about what to pull in from Clone Wars, what to leave out. Uh, so and the episode was was. It was a nice return to form for Bad Batch after episode 9 and 10, because I believe this was 11, where, you know, we just came off that horrible two-episode arc where they're like, we lost our ship, and oh, we're on a mining planet where all these little boys are being forced into slave labor, whoop-de-doo. But yeah, I I, I like the Zillow Beast payoff. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, honestly, Nick, it may not be done because they got it back. It's clearly being used for cloning purposes. Could it be? Are they trying to make armor for whatever they're cloning or fucking with the, the decommissioned clones on Tantus? You never know. Yeah. Uh, there, there's bad. I read the first few books. They're OK, but man, super exciters for. <laughs> yes. Yeah, super. All right. Batch just saying he's super exciters for Acolyte. For Acolyte. No, I mean, I, we're I'm exciters as well. Exciter. OK. And again, like some of my top moments, you'd be like, dude, what? Why do you like Star Wars? You just like people talking. And yeah, I actually do. That's some of my favorite shit because you learn stuff. So I'm going with Tarkin Summit right there in the penultimate and the season two finale. Just just everything about it. Getting Tarkin there, having Krennic there, Hemlock, uh, Ramadi, all the all the callbacks to other Star Wars and, and, and seeing how certain plans took shape early on. The dynamic between Tarkin and Krennic wasn't completely shit at this point in time. So I just I love that type of stuff. I'm all about lore, especially lore that, you know, paints more of the picture that we've been given in um, existing Star Wars content. Yeah, no, I, I think that what was what really made that for me was the like the disagreements and the bickering and like the you know like the empire always seemed like it was one big machine that was that were all trudging in the same direction um and the only thing that could stop it was you know Luke Skywalker and his father's love for his son but like really like that was kind of like an inside view of like hey these people don't agree on everything and these people don't like have the same ideas about how shit should be done. And like, well, bro, we're, we're seeing it with the shadow yeah, council. Exactly. I mean, there's a faction at once Thrawn. There's a faction that's starting the first order. There's Gideon wanting to do his thing. So you're right. I mean, could we make the argument that the, the empire had its various factions like Mandalorians did. And that's why they eventually got taken out by a group of ragtag rebels. Yeah. I mean, I think so. Like, like they're like, even though it's, it seemed like this giant behemoth of a war machine, like you had people who were on different pages. You had people who disagreed and you had people who were, who were like working. And like, this is very similar to like the, the empire was built in the same way that the old Sith empires were, where it was like, you fight for supremacy, you fight in, in like, not in a physical sense in the empire, but like you politically fought for your position. And if you gained favor of Palpatine, then like whatever you said goes. And that was it. It doesn't matter if it was the right idea. It was, 
you were in the right position for it. And like, that is a very similar way to how the empire is built. It's like you, you, yeah, you curry favor and then you use that favor to do whatever you want to do. And that's why, you know, you see people like Thrawn who had a better idea than the death star get pushed to the side because the guy who Palpatine liked more says, make the yeah, fucking yeah, death the star. Bigger balls. Yeah. <laughs> like, Make the death star. Yeah, so it's, you know, I mean, that's, they, they as the armor let Din know in the Book of Boba Fett, I mean, the, the Empire's reign was, what, 30 years, if that? So not not much at all, but it, it does seem like they kind of melted internally and the rebels were there just to expose the internal disarray. Okay, up next, arrival of Dr. Hemlock. Um, you know, with with Rampart being thrown under the bus, we kind of lost our antagonist for the Bad Batch until this dude showed up. And, and when he showed up, he made it clear that, that he is a force to be reckoned with because he is demented. I mean, he was so fucked up, the, the Republic kicked him out of, of the Republic Army because of the shit he was trying to do with science. So... I just I, I dug this character as a as a bad guy. He he does seem to be a, a little more of a formidable foe for Bad Batch than Rampart ultimately ended up being. And, you know, he's just he's got that creepiness to him. He obviously has a, a large hand in what Palpatine's trying to do with cloning. So he, he brings some juice there. Uh, I, I just I just like the Hemlock character and I, I can't wait to see what we get in season three from. Yeah, him. no, I agree. I think that like. He has an unsettling sort of presence to him, which is uh, it's it's very like it's even more unsettling than like, I mean, like Tarkin had an unsettling presence, but like this guy has an unsettling presence of like he could kill me in a way that I wouldn't even know that I was being killed. <laughs> like it was. So, yeah, I, I definitely like him as a character. Yeah, and, and Exactly. Go. So we got Hemlock and then getting down to the end here. The, I, I, I still am like, I, I, I think the, the clone decommissioning arc was probably my favorite two episodes, but the, the penultimate and the finale are, are in a very close second, a few half percentage points behind. And, and that's because unlike the Mandalorian season three finale, there were some fucking stakes in the Bad Batch season two finale. Uh, so much so that this bullet point was just called ESB like finale. I mean, we we ended with the bad guys losing. They lost. They lost Omega. Uh, they got their asses kicked. They didn't. They didn't get Hemlock's coordinates, so they don't even know how to get to Tantus. Everything's fucked. Tech is dead. Okay, we're down to just Hunter and Wrecker, and it seems Echo is is kind of sticking around for now. But the, the the Bad Batch season two finale was pretty traumatic for the good guys. And, and I dig that. I dig that we are, we are hanging off a cliff as they say with good TV all the way until season three debuts in 2024. Yeah. I think that it was a strong end for sure. And I mean, I, I I'm not, you know, obviously know that season three is the end. Like season three is going to be the final season of this show. And I think that ending season two, the, the way it did just makes the stakes even higher for season three. And given the yeah. fact that like, I mean, we don't know what happens to these characters. We don't know if, if like they're going to, you know, retcon shove these guys in as somebody in the, in the, you know, the original trilogy, if they're going to try to shove them in somewhere else and say like, oh yeah, that guy was 
uh, that guy was Hunter or something like that. Because ultimately, what more than likely happens to these guys, they get fucking killed. Like, they're dead. Yes. Like, yes. Um, 100%. And... I mean, to me, Nick, the, the, the only character that has legs is Omega, and that's because her twin brother is Boba Fett. Now, I would like to see some sort of payoff on that, even if it is in the cartoon and they at least meet or are aware of each other. But I, to me, Omega could make it into Mandoverse timeline, so on and so forth. The, the Clone Force 99, sadly, I think they need to sacrifice in a good way, hopefully like a textile way if he's truly dead, but um, I, I'm thinking they're they're gone. Yeah, I mean, I don't see a way that they get out of it. And like if they if they keep doing that with Star, I mean, like we've always talked about, like if people don't die in this in this series. Like if they keep doing that and if they keep like introducing characters and then just saying like, oh, yeah, well, like they, they ride off into the sunset. You don't know where they are in the OT. You don't know where they are in this timeline. They're just all out there. Then it starts to like. Like when you introduce characters, it starts to be just be like, well, nothing's going to happen to them. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it gets weird because we do we we do have established canon with clones up towards the original trilogy, thanks to Rebels. And it was just fucking Rex, Wolf and Gregor. And they all looked half dead. They're all fat and old. Yeah. So if if we had other clones make it that we knew about as fans, why aren't they there? Yeah, exactly. Why didn't they retire with them? Why aren't they getting involved in the in the rebellion when clearly Rex is one of the first people to start rebelling against the Empire? Yeah. Why? Okay, why isn't Echo there with them? So yes, I, I do think they sadly yeah. all have and to it's, go. And it's a, it's a symptom of like, of people getting attached to characters because it's like, when you get attached to a character, even as a creator, like when I, when, when you create a character, you don't want to kill them because you've put so much time and love and effort and, 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 and like in story building into like building this fleshed out person, yeah. it feels bad to like say, well, now they're dead and that's it. That is the end. And I think that like, I don't want to put this on Filoni because I think he's done a good job of like killing off characters when necessary, obviously with Kanan and, and others, um, you know, maybe tech. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I like how dude, we, we, we have such like shell shock from star Wars that we can't believe yeah, anything. No, like, Do you hear us? We're, we have to qualify anytime we talk about a potentially dead character. We have to qualify. Baby's dead. Who knows? But like, that's, <laughs> that's what happens is like, that's why we were in the situation we're in with the fucking sequel trilogy, because like there was so much you put like in, in, into oh. Palpatine, you put what 30 years of storytelling. Uh. Like, think about it, like 87. More than that, because, I mean, that 30 years is just his his reign as emperor. He he was involved as, as Senator Palpatine before uh, that. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, I, I was just talking about real, real world. So, like, 1977, he's oh, planned yeah, 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 yeah. until 2005. So, a little bit, like, 28 years of, like, real world storytelling you put into building this character of Palpatine. And then you could tell right. that, like, Lucas... Is that like as much as people hate what happened with Palpatine, like Lucas was the one who like told or at least from what we heard in stories. I, I'm, I'm starting to think that shit because his his script, Nick, was to have Maul and Talon as the the bad, the, the dark side. People. Yeah, I mean, I don't I mean, but, but again, like Maul is another example of that. Like Maul is another example of right. somebody. You are right. You you win again. <laughs> like this motherfucker you, was right. dead. You're like this right. dude. If if Maul is not dead, <laughs> cut cut in half and literally thrown down a shaft yeah, that goes down thousands of go. feet. Like come on. 
Yeah. You know? Yep, you're like, right. It, it's you're right. They all, no, no one dies. Yeah. Everyone's alive. Darth Vader's still alive. I yeah, promise like it's, you. It, it's, it's a symptom of, of storytelling and being a storyteller is that you don't want to kill your own character. Ben Solo coming back. So, uh, like Han Solo. He came back in the end of the third one. Like there, there's no <laughs> fucking way that, that Han Solo has a force ghost because he had no force abilities. But that motherfucker showed up in episode nine. Yeah, he did. Yeah, his son, his somehow son could project him through the force, as I believe was the explanation. Yeah. Dude, oh my god all right you know. oh man it's it, i we don't have time to go into it. i'm not going to go into it but there, there are times where i just sit there and go how in the fuck did they mess up the sequels like how do you do that how do you do that how do you do that oh, all right i mean just oh, like luke skywalker boy. said what? nobody's ever really gone it's like but sometimes people really need to be gone like yeah yeah sometimes there like there is value in death like as fucked yes. up as that sounds, like there is value in death because if if nobody ever dies, then like what is like then all of the Iron Man, yeah, like Avengers Endgame. To this day, I've seen that movie eighty times. I just re you know, we did our family rewatch. That scene popped up again and it fucking hit me the same way. Yeah, it's like it, I still got emotional because of that. That is the guy. That is that was the face of the MCU for 10 years and he was the one to sacrifice. Yeah. He earned his death like a motherfucker. And and Nick's correct. I mean, you need that type of shit in, in storytelling, even if it's science fiction, yeah, comic even book, if it fucking hurts uh, genres, even if it hurts yes. as a writer and as a viewer, like it needs to happen. And I think that Star Wars has gotten so, into a very bad uh, situation where yeah. like, yeah, like you're right. It started with Darth Maul. I mean, Darth Maul really is the first fan favorite character that George is like, oh, shit, I probably shouldn't have killed him. I'm bringing him yeah. back. And I mean, like they like uh, George started with the skirting of death shit in Empire because it's like, oh, not even an Empire in, in, in A New Hope in, in episode four, because he's like. All right, well, well, Obi Wan gets his fucking head chopped off, but like, guess what? He's still around. He's still he's always gonna be yeah, around. Force he's goes. always gonna force be around. Force goes for the win. So, force goes. Yeah. All right, so uh, hey, as we're talking about a bunch of characters that die and don't really die, our last top moment from Bad Batch season two, Tex earned supposed, supposed death, death, and that's how I typed and it yeah. out. Like, see, I I have like, uh, what do you call that? It's like I've been gaslit. Hmm? Into, into thinking that no Star Wars character is ever truly dead. So, I mean, we, we've said enough about Tech's death. It was fantastic, completely earned, probably one of the second most powerful deaths in animated Star Wars behind Kanan's sacrifice, I'd say. Yeah. It was right up there with that. So there you go. Bad Batch Season 2, to bed. It's been punched out. Next week, we'll, we'll probably do something similar with The Mandalorian. And hell, we might even do top low moments of Mandalorian just to fill some showtime. You never know. Because remember, next week we're coming in fresh. Whew. All right. Nick, it is time for episode 261's fan segment. We do it every episode. Those that know, know. We start with the question of the week. If you want to get involved, make sure on Tuesdays you head over to Instagram at Star Wars Time Show and look for our stories and in our post grid for the question. All you got to do is respond. And we may or may not pick your responses. We actually had a decent response this week. So I think, yes, I can't count for shit, Nick. So I'll go quickly with the story ones and let you go with the longer ones. But we did get some feedback. And I had to cut some really great ones for some fandos. Press Pause Photography had a fantastic 
dissertation, but that's exactly what it was. It was a dissertation. I was like, you know what? Nick would pass out because he wouldn't be able to catch his breath reading this. <laughs> so we're going to cut that one. So here we go. Let's get the screens switched up. And we will start with the question of the week, which is naturally, what was your favorite or least favorite moment from the Mandalorian S3 finale? So let's get Slack up here and going. Where are you, Slack? Holy shit, that's too much stuff. Oh, boy. All right. Sorry, there we go. Okay. Well, no, we didn't. <laughs> oh, my God, I hate myself. Just bear with We're me, people. There. We're having a good time. We're getting there. We're, we'll, we'll get there at some point. Hey! Hey! I hit enough buttons and it worked. All right, so here we go. I'll read the first... Uh, Responses coming from the story. We got our boy Rippick Tan checking in. R5 having his little cops episode in the armor's hammer flight fight. Yes, we agree. Moving on. I think this is Dr. Awesome. Loved the Grogu flame deflection scene. Really felt magical. Wasn't a huge fan of how rushed the final fight and Gideon's death felt, though. He was a fantastic villain. He'd still be around. We agree. Nobody ever we dies agree, in Doc Star Wars. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, Remember I mean, that. come on. We just we just laid it out there. He's definitely coming back in season four. Take it to the bank. Just not the bank. We told you to take all of our predictions for the season three finale. Last yeah, week. different bank. That bank is that bank has now been defunded yeah. because <laughs> how many misses we had. All right, Nick, go ahead. Drew, Drew original says the visuals of the Mandalorians flying in and clashing with the Super Commandos Siege of Mandalore was pretty awesome. Messaging and execution of three Mando, Bo, and Grogu working together in unison to defeat Gideon was positive, in my opinion. Yeah, very good. I like, is that like a new way to say tubular or cool or rad? You just say that was positive? That was positive, man. I think so. <laughs> I like, I kind of, I kind of dig that, to be honest with you. Positive. It was a positive. Message. Like, yo, Nick, yo, Nick, you positive, man? You, you feeling positive Sometimes today? that's I all mean, you got to feel right? is just positive. You don't have to feel excellent. <laughs> it's like, I feel positive. <laughs> there you go. I and like it. You're either a one or a zero. You're either charged or not charged. I'm <laughs> digging it. All right. Moving on to the next one. Bango 31. He says, I've given a week to marinate. And I'm still just kind of blah about it. Not bad, not great. I do like they wrapped up the season storyline and they have a clean slate going forward. I guess I'm a victim of my own expectations because I thought the Gideon stuff would be a bigger payoff. But it is what it is. Definitely not souring on the series and I'm looking forward to what comes next. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that... You know. Sounds like we got another woke Star Wars fan. Huh? <laughs> They're they're enlightened. They 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 Bango knows what he's talking yeah, I mean, about. Like, all right, not job, all Bango. not every episode needs to be the best episode ever. So, um, and it also means if you didn't love an episode, hey, that Star Wars is dead. Like, okay, we we let's get past there's, that. There's too. more coming. So, uh, Johnny, our good friend Johnny, Johnny Osage ass says, "Oh man, where to begin? The episode that should have been called Lies." Lol. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. That no major character died and that the Mandalorians have learned to play well together. But did they get new jetpacks? Uh, they had right bros models when saving Ragnar. And in this episode, they were all mavericked out. I mean, that's a good call. Those motherfuckers were. Oh, yeah. You know what? I think I know what he's talking about because I saw this, too. And it, it is a good point. So. Nick, you go back to the episode where Ragnar gets stolen. What happens? They all run out yeah. of gas, right? In this episode, Axe fucking Woves flies from the surface 
under the surface, like underground, all the way, all the way into, into space. space. <laughs> maybe they got upgrade. Maybe like the the bunker mandos got upgraded jetpacks from the the other mandos since they were like mercenaried out and had big fat like, paychecks. What the fuck is going on here? Yeah, then then they're all flying across the entire planet as one yeah. flying around. So yeah, I I think that's what Johnny's getting at. And maybe I like Johnny, it. they just didn't gas up because they like they <laughs> right, weren't expecting they had right bros. Yeah, like they weren't expecting Ragnar to get. <laughs> kidnapped by a bird so they were like i'm just envisioning a right bros jetpack like it's just got you know bamboo and, and some flaps on <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> like like in that da vinci's flying yeah, machine like, like that that's what that's what it is that's what i have in my head right now they're like come on man we gotta go save, save ragnar <laughs> <laughs> uh, good good man johnny i like and that johnny one. goes on to say mando uh, dog fights oh okay we're not done gideon clones <laughs> adoptions and a new marshal Bravo! The little fade out at the end was an homage to a Marvel movie, right? And who can forget the stinger after the credits? Wow, can't wait. Johnny? Johnny? Watch yourself, bud. Uh, I like Johnny. Johnny's the new Brendan Wayne over here, fucking leading people astray. (laughs) The episode should have been called Liars. Oh, man, good stuff. Okay, up next, our boy Scion, XTC. Scion says, I would be lying if I didn't say I was disappointed that we didn't see anyone ride the Mythosaur in the finale, but maybe it was for Grogu woke the best. Up. Yeah, I mean, the, he opened his eyes, or they it opened his eyes, whatever. Uh, too much of a copy-paste from Boba Fett finale. Uh, regardless, I thought the finale was action-packed, fun, and ended, as could be expected, with a cliffhanger. <laughs> I, don't know I was about gonna say, that. what would like? Did we miss something? <laughs> Maybe we'll see stories from the canceled ranges of New Republic show show up in season four. That that's definitely yeah, happening. That, I mean, that, that, that's that kind of how we we started our breakdown. I mean, hundred percent. Yeah, it's like, what? Am I missing a cliffhanger? Uh, I guess just wondering what the hell they're gonna do. Yeah, I would say like, what, is it like resolved? It, I don't know. Because like, I'm ninety five percent sure that I fast forwarded that episode all the way until the 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 foreign credits ended, and there was nothing. Uh, I mean, maybe he yep. thinks that the cliffhanger is just Boba or not Boba, uh, Din and Grogu hanging out on. Navarro. You know, from what I read, Nick, I, I, this maybe this way he's talking about. But I, I did see on Reddit that apparently if you had closed captions on, there was like some sort of like glitchy thing that seemed like a stinger. But I, I don't know. I'm I like, you. I, I was had... click, 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 click. And I didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't see dick shit unless it was like two frames. Yeah, I know. Maybe like maybe when I was fast. Oh, well, I got past it. It probably doesn't matter yeah. anyways. Ahsoka will will fill us in, get us ready for season four. Who gives a ooh, shit? Ooh. Uh, Mr. Muppa, not a fan. Mr. Muppa 06 says, I've forgotten it already. That's how much of an impact it had in me. As Dooku said, surely you can do All better. Right. So Muppa, not a fan. That's, that's okay. okay. That's that's their choice. Um, and then following Jesus for life says when it oh, ended. Boy. When it ended, so he was sad when it ended, which which I assume means that he enjoyed the episode. Uh, well, yeah, is that is that their least favorite part or I was most say, favorite I, part? Like, you never know from he Star put Wars. A cry fans. face <laughs> emoji at the end, so I assume that was his least favorite part. Is when it ended. Uh, so his favorite part was when it was not ended, um, okay. when it was still All playing. Right. So it seems like he enjoyed it. So, uh, you keep on following Jesus, my man. Yeah, so thank you all for the responses. That's right. That brings us. Now let me go ahead. Tap my, tap my head and rub tap, my tap. belly to see if I can get the right, right scenes see, to see pop up See if the now. button combination <laughs> What works. the fuck was that? 
But yeah, go ahead. Kick, uh, kick us in the top five. Yes, that will move us into it. our top five Star Wars fan artist features of the week. If you want to get involved with this little segment that we have, make sure to add tag on your Instagram post. Add tag at Star Wars Time Show. That's how you get on the radar. Add the uh, use the hashtag Star Wars Time Show too. We're over 150,000 uses of the hashtag Star Wars Time Show. Bingo, bango. Good stuff. So uh, add tag at Star Wars Time Show. Hashtag Star Wars Time uh, Star Wars Time Show. Do that and we can see your things. And you will get on Matt's Ooh. radar. Uh, when you get on Matt's radar, he may feature you. And once you're featured by Matt, I will decide if you are worthy for a spot in the top five for the week. Uh, so we will kick off this week's top five with at wretched.hive. And uh, this is... Like a pseudo scene recreation of what we were seeing on Navarro, the the Mandalorians yeah, 100%. retaking uh, uh, Navarro uh, Town Square from the pirate bandits, uh, and yeah, I mean it, it's just a really awesome looking action shot. You see Mandos of many different persuasions on the ground fighting against pirate. Oh yeah, troops. tons of tons of custom figures. I mean that that's what stood out to me. I mean Nick, none of these are like actual shits you you would buy in a store. Yeah. No, and there's not a single figure here that you would get in a store. So I mean that that's impressive to start. But I just I love the setup. The poses are great, and as you said, it does feel like a a still from the Navarro pirate battle. Oh yeah, absolutely. So beautiful stuff here at wretched dot five. I can't tell. Are these, are these the little boys or are these one twelve? I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, looks, kick-ass looking looks shot. Sick. No matter what. Um, next up, and we're going to have a lot of bucket heads here. Cause obviously, uh, everybody in the Mandalorian is wearing buckets during the fights. So, uh, this one is another scene recreation. I thought it was a really cool idea to, to recreate this. And what we see is Bo-Katan pulling, uh, Din up from the living waters when he just rocketed to the bottom of the fucking pool, like a stone. Um, <laughs> and what's really cool is like, uh, this is from at the old toy pick. And what at the old toy pick did was he added some bubble effects. He added some some like blur to make it seem like they're actually rising up from water. Yeah, they they got their little yeah, helmet lights the helmet, on. Still. Yeah, the helmet flashlights are on and everything. I mean, I thought that this was a super creative shot from the old toy pick. I don't think I've I've seen anybody try to recreate this one yet. Um, so I I thought it was a it was a really uh, awesome job. Doing like pulling off what was probably a, like a pretty difficult shot to 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 pull off. So. Hey, they, anyone else notice that the armor had no problem standing in the living waters without sinking to the bottom? Yeah, I know. It's like, is there just like a like a really like hard fall off <laughs> lip, like right where did Watch out for that last step. It's a yeah, doozy. It's like, you, yeah. it's like you can walk like maybe three feet in, but after that, you really got to stop because it goes down. Fast. Yeah, just stop. Yeah. Cause she was in it, man. She's in there blessing motherfuckers, yeah. but she seemed she seemed steady footed compared to our boy Jaren. Yeah, maybe they went in and they put like a little fence right at that little right at the the, the drop yeah, he, off. He area. gave him a heads up. He's like, "Yo, yo, that first step will fuck you up. Watch out, armor." She's like, "All right, thank you, Din. Now get the fuck out of here because you can't be with us when you have in a what is he? What's Din Grogan Din, now called? Din, an apprentice. He's an apprentice. Right? He is no longer a foundling." He's yeah, she didn't like kick him out, but it seems like once you have an apprentice, you have to go out and learn the yeah. ways of the of the Mandalorian. I also life, like how right? easy that- the Mandalorian adoption process is, where he's like, 
Yeah, he's yeah, like, hey, he can't be. I want to be his dad. <laughs> okay, like, good. Done. <laughs> he says, "Fuck it." Yeah, you're right. She no. She's like, "Well, we must ask his parents if he could be, you know, just ranked up because he can't talk." But they're probably long gone. Who gives a shit? And Dan's <laughs> yeah. like, "Okay, well, we can fix that. I'll be, I'll be his dad." dad. And, they're like, and she's like, "Okay, yeah, fuck <laughs> it. This is the way." Sounds good. good to me. <laughs> No adoption. Yeah, wouldn't that be hilarious? Either. You know, you know, Nick, Nick and Taylor, they're bored on one day. They're like, you know what? Let's let's go down the adoption agency. I want to adopt you, you, fuck you, and <laughs> yeah. you. And you're like, and they just they load you up with babies yeah. and off it's you go. It's literally <laughs> less of a process than adopting a dog. It's literally like, I want that one. Okay, you got it. Leave. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, we don't have to check if Grogu has parents or not. If Din said, I want to adopt him, that's all that matters. Yeah. They're like, all right, this is the way you are now father and son. Easy peasy. Uh, <laughs> you got to love the watch, man. They got some crazy rules, but they definitely keep life moving fast. Oh, yeah. They don't bog you down in red tape. <laughs> Good shit. All right, next up in the top five, this is at oh, this I is a fucking gem. of Uatu. Uh, I of Utu is a is a big account. We've been following him for a long time on the Star Wars Time Show. Has some top quality stuff, and this is what it is: a top quality shot from a top quality photographer. And what we see is Din, Bo, and the other Din, Din Grogu. All that's right. The Din, yeah, the Din, Din Square, Din Boys. Um, all <laughs> the Din Boys. That's what Bo will say when when he when she sees the ship come. The, the Din, Din Boys, Boys are coming are here. in. Um, all flying through the air in their jetpacks. Obviously, Grogu does not have one, so he's in the arms of his new, newly minted father. Um, and they're they're blowing up fucking Tie fighters. They're they're not fighting like super commandos. They're fighting full ass Tie fighters. You see explosions happening behind them. Them firing off blaster shots all in all directions. They're surrounded by Tie Imperial Tie fighter uh, blaster bolts flying around them. Just a very dynamic and also like a very like vivid, bright, colorful shot here from yeah, I too. And these are these are all the Barbies. So like these are the big boys, which is even more impressive if if you're someone that has owned 112, 16, 118, whatever you want to call it. While the bigger figures look ten times better than the smaller ones, they're usually ten times harder to pose because of all their actual clothing and armor and plastic here, plastic there. I can tell you Bo Katan barely even moves. So the fact that Tom got this dynamic of a pose with these two and we're able to prop them up to look like they're flying. I mean, I'm not sure if he used one of their wired stands or whatnot, but it's just a kick-ass shot. I mean, it just it just screams fucking Mandalorians and buy hot toys. That's the other <laughs> thing. It's like, yes, this is this is why you buy yeah. hot toys. I wish I could display my hot toys just like this. Oh yeah, beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. It 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 does. If you are of the toy collecting persuasion, it does make that five hundred dollars in your pocket feel like it's getting pulled out a little bit. Uh oh, it's going some. <laughs> I, I will say, as as much as it sucks to move toys once you set them all up in glass shelves nick the, the i'm not gonna when i was taking them each out and kind of looking at them and appreciating them i was like you know what as much as an asshole i feel like for spending many 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 thousands of dollars on these things they really are fucking works of art they really are i mean they they genuinely make me smile when i'm holding them now that's when i'm holding them when i look at it in the case i go that could have been my daughter's college at least the first year of it or that could have been my beach house so whatever i i still love them 
But hey, I got the intern. The intern has taken the plunge, and I didn't force it upon him. He asked me about the Return of the Jedi Darth Vader they're releasing, and I said, this is where I get mine, but I'm not going to push you over that edge because I did that to you with Funko, and you still have that problem. But the intern, once he gets his ROTJ Vader hot toy, I, I think he it's is over. He's over fucked. For him. He's fucked. <laughs> it is. I even think you, you know, someone that never collected, like if someone gave you one or two, I have a feeling that the itch would almost compel you to at least look at Sideshow site. Maybe. Maybe one day, but not <laughs> this day. As yeah, Aragorn no, like, says. You, dude. I got, I'm moving, into, I'm moving yeah. into a new I got house. More, I got enough expenses coming up. <laughs> yeah. Fuck your toys. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Right. That I, I have Uatu. I have Uatu. Give him a follow. Next up. Is a very clean shot here from at snapshots, S-H-O-T-Z dot photography. I believe this is the first time top five for Mr. Snapshots. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, I mean, but this is a super clean shot of uh, of, of Din Dejarin, not Din Grogu, um, blasting off his... Uh, his uh, Din 1 Din, and Din, Din 2. Din 1 and Din 2. And then Din Sun. Tweedly Din and Tweedly Dumb. Um, but, uh, we got Din over here firing off his, his wrist mounted flamethrower and would like, to me, like what really like makes the shot one, the lighting, like getting that like visceral fire light to reflect off of his armor and two, yes. like the way that, that's it right there. that those flames kind of curl around the, f- the frame of the shot. I mean, just awesome. It's just like a really awesome up close shot that uses the flame so well. Um, really eye-catching, really strong stuff from at snapshots.photography. And the best part is, Nick, this is a this is 112. Like this, that's not a hot toy. Wow. So anytime you can get a, a, an up-close portrait like that on the 112s and they do look like a hot toy, you have done your oh, job yeah. well. I mean, this is yeah. If you wouldn't have told me, I would have assumed that this was like a hot toy, like a Yeah, I, I can just tell like there you like, can see there's plastic on the chest where there should be cloth and whatnot. So this is I, this is either the Mayfex or the figure arts, but it's still a just a six inch figure that looks like a a hot toy. Yeah, beautiful stuff. At snapshots dot photography on Instagram. And uh, uh, the last up in the top five this week, I hate to keep doing it, but fucking, the guy fucking brick panda, he's a fucking, just, you have to, you got though. to, you have to, you got to, he's a killer. You have to. Um, so at brick panda 82 <laughs> with the truly incredible Lego scene recreation from the finale of Mandalorian season three, where Din Dejarin is fighting the two, um, yeah, he's doing his break yeah, dance against two the Praetorians. Praetorian guards, and I mean, like the position that he got Din in as a as a Lego figure, he had to have ripped the leg off of this thing and pasted it back on in some weird way. <laughs> yeah, I dude, I don't know, I don't know how they like, do that stuff. I think it is like some sticky tack, and and as you said, ripping your figure yeah, apart, and, and like even getting like the vibro effect on the knife that din is holding plus the the electric like the electro effects oh shit i didn't even see the vibro blade good yeah, call like, yeah he did just like <laughs> look at that the 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 posing the effects the the lighting like made like brick panda knocked this shit out of the park and i would like you know this makes you want to see like hey can we like run back the whole mando S3 finale with just Lego. Like, can we do like a Lego movie well, version of that? I'm sad to report, Nick, that Brick Panda is transitioning away from Star Wars shots for the time yeah. being. And, and this happens. Like, 
Brickpanda82, if you, if you follow this account, they're fantastic, especially if you like Legos and, and, and pop culture franchises. But it seems like they, they get on runs and they, they will stick to a line and shoot that line for a month or two and then just move on to the next Hopefully one. Hopefully so, Ahsoka sadly, reinvigorates him when it comes back around. There, there you go. But, I, you know, I know Nick has included him. I feature every fucking shot he puts up. I think Nick's thrown him in the top five, this latest spell of Brick Panda being Star Wars active probably every yeah, time. Yeah, it's close. Uh, but d- don't worry. A, a spot will be opening back up after this week because Brick Panda is moving away from Star Wars shots at this time. Yeah, so, but hey... I'm glad we got his last one in the top five because it was another killer. Always. I would buy a book from this oh, yeah. person. Co- if, they, if they had like a 400 page glossy large coffee table book of just their Lego photography. Sign yeah. me up. Oh, yeah. 100 percent. So at Brick Panda 82, thank you for all of your amazing Star Wars work. We we eagerly anticipate your return to the form. Hopefully when Ahsoka comes uh, comes out around August. So uh, that's the end of the top five. That's the end of our show for this week. Matt, why don't you close us on out? All right, my friends, as always, we appreciate your time here in the live stream. Make sure to bring some other people. I know we, we've had a few casualties due to the time change. Maybe we can get them back. Listen, there's like 900 toy photography podcasts now. <laughs> there's only one Star Wars time show. Let's do it. There's always time for Star Wars time, right, my friends? So don't screw around. Let's do it. StarWarsTime.net. That's your best place to go in between shows to see, hey, are these lazy asses working on any any new content? What are they thinking about this new Star Wars thing? You can always get those reactions first and foremost over at StarWarsTime.net or if you're into the moving pictures type of stuff, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. If you like handles, just add Star Wars Time Show on YouTube as well. But over on StarWarsTime.net, that's where you can also sub to all the various podcasts we belong to. You know, we, we, we still have decent numbers over there, but they could always be better. You know that. You know me. They're, they're, it's never enough. I'm like Julia Roberts, Tinkerbell, and Hook. You know, I need those. I, I need to feel special. I need to feel loved to feel like I'm a worthwhile human on this planet. So as always, we, we appreciate your time. We really do. If you want to, you know, if you like to talk, I, I, I'm, I've become a fan of the Discord in between shows. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of like our own little forum where I know I'm going to get in there and I'll be able to spit some ideas and get other ideas from people too. So don't forget, Star Wars Time Show. There's always time for Star Wars Time. StarWarsTime.net. Hit it up. Everything you need is right there on that site. Or just go to Instagram, look in our link bio. You can get all the goods from there, too. All right, my friends. It's going to be an interesting week next week. I, I can tell you we, we will still have some Mandalorian Season 3 content to go. But we're going to be getting back to the Wild West days of the SWTS where we just got a riff on whatever nonsense is out there for the Star Wars franchise. All right, we're going to leave you as we always do. If you listen to the Star Wars Time Show, the Force will be with you always. Always.